guten Tag, guten Morgen, guten Nacht, uh, whatever you want to say. Welcome to another episode of uh, Pod Like a Whole Presents Season 3, Run the Gamut, where your three lovely hosts, um, we talk about our favorite bands, artists, records, albums, our personal history with them, um, and then of course the band history. And uh, tonight we're going to be talking about a record by one of Steve's uh, picks, the German band Rammstein. Wir durften nicht dazu gehören, nicht sehen, reden oder hören. Doch jede Nacht für ein, zwei Stunden bin ich dieser Welt entschwunden. Jede Nacht ein bisschen froh, mein Ohr ganz nach through what three or four episodes i don't know how steve's gonna cut that big monster history episode but uh by the time by the time by the time you're hearing this uh some sometime in between valentine's day and uh i don't know the saint patrick's day don't give yourself deadlines (laughs) (laughs) i was trying to be loose i was trying to be loose here uh yeah there's there's probably at least (laughs) three or four hours already of us just talking about romstein uh yeah, and then we covered, we covered the 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 band members, their history, each album, the recording of each album, and the quality of each album, and their side projects, and a little movie about penguins. Had everything for everybody. Um, they're truly the four quadrant band. Um, but uh, that voice you heard was just Steven. Uh, this is Mark, and we also have Eric with us. Eric. I'm just happy Steve got to kind of have his wish of having this entire season be dedicated to Rammstein, because <laughs> certainly going to be a mini-season, no, no question. If this mini-season of uh, just Rammstein goodness doesn't convince a, a naysayer, then uh, nothing will. And we're not here to change minds, or you know, maybe we are. Uh, we're here to make a podcast that entertains us. But beyond that, if a side effect is somebody gives something a chance that they didn't give a chance, or they had a, a preconceived notion of, well, that's great too. But uh, I mean, the music speaks for itself, and uh, the the jubilation when this band released this album. And May 17, 2019, speaks for itself. Uh, Rammstein is it's top tier. Yeah, I mean, uh, just with us essentially gushing it through their entire catalog. And I believe we also have some unfinished business on this episode where we rank them. Uh, so we can do that at the end as well. Um, can I but- ask, I'd like to ask you guys a question before... We uh, rank them later. Um, I'm curious. Sure. Did your guys's rankings change before and after this uh, season? Yes. Same with me, Eric. Yes. Uh, I, I don't, actually, Eric, really I don't even think he, yeah, I'm not. Qualified yeah, I was gonna say Eric probably didn't rank them until now. But yeah, Mark, 
you and I, yeah, over over the years, there's been various times where we we talk about these albums, and you know, and definitely definitely changed. This is a band that makes ranking their albums uh, somewhat difficult. I know that there's uh, like a stereo gum or Kerrang, you know, listings out there that they just kind of breeze them off. But man, like I gave it a lot of thought, you know, I really had to do a lot of mathematics in my head in order to really kind of come up with a, in my opinion, what my personal favorites were. Uh, that's such a strong discography. It's ridiculous. When you go through Very them consistent. all, which I mean, that's the part of going, th- going through, well, no, the point of going through discography isn't to rank it. God, that sounds terrible. That would be like the worst, one of the worst internet things come to life. The only reason you look at art is so you can rank it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, isn't that what uh, criticism really is? I mean, yeah. It's, it's, if you can't make it's just to make lists. The only reason, the only reason Michelangelo, uh, you know, uh, picked up a, a paintbrush was so later somebody could say was he better than da vinci um yeah i know uh, and, man it's wild that you bring that up like everything has turned into a horse race hasn't it you know yeah i mean I'm, i don't think i mean i'm sure art was always like this like even when shakespeare was coming out with a play like eh, i like hamlet better you know it's what some of the audience were saying so i mean all of that stuff you know, you're presenting something that is an expression of uh, some thought or creative outlet, and it immediately gets, eh, you know, someone's giving their really irrelevant opinion. But that's essentially what we're doing here, giving irrelevant opinions. <laughs> I think, but we show our math. By the time we get to our irrelevant opinions, we show that we took the time to uh, uh, try to get there by a... Uh, you know, we're not we're not irreverent about it. Uh, Absolutely. By, we're not like looking for the chinks in, in the, any of the armor of anything just to try to. Yes, be, we're, not, you know, we're not the cinema. Yes, we're not the cinema sins. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, what the hell was I saying? Oh, I was just saying when you do when you do a run through, as Mark calls it, it is. Uh, I mean, it's it, it, the interesting thing about those is that when you sit down, let's do an artist's entire discography. Probably every time you do. I mean, you're going to hear something new. Something's going to jump out at you. Uh, something's just going to hit you differently because of what point you are in your life. It's uh, it's it's the fun thing about about art, man. Things change. You grow, they grow. Yeah. So, uh, not to go back to the uh, <laughs> the equation, but I think Eric found some receipts. Uh, Eric, uh, what were some of the bands that uh, one of our listeners uh, was uh, kind of dreading? Right. Well, this is just taste. I mean, you know, Rammstein, Stevie Wonder, Willie Nelson, Mastodon. You know, this is just, you know. <laughs> Judas Priest and Black Sabbath. Yeah, All of those yeah. were Steve's picks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I could just, I just want, you know, our dear friend, friend of the show. Uh, totally you know, a friend of the show. Uh, loyal totally, listener. Actually, one of our yeah. one of our most loyal listeners. Yeah. Um, just funny to go back in time and see uh See Steve. Yeah, <laughs> He's it, it, probably, on Steve's picks. <laughs> probably, probably our most loyal listener. Uh, but it goes to show that you know that if the guy stuck with us this long, he has bad taste. So <laughs> that's true. That is true. What kind, of, what kind of person doesn't like Stevie Wonder? That's just well. 
We'll, well, find out. we'll have him on yeah. the show. On that. <laughs> you know what? Maybe he likes Stevie we'll Wonder. Wonder. He's just maybe he likes Stevie Wonder. He's just really worried about how we're going to cover Stevie Wonder. Oh, that's <laughs> that's very fair. <laughs> <laughs> All right, writing Goodness down gracious. no blind jokes. Because right. <laughs> we all know that motherfucker can see, right? No. Eric, on ad writes itself. That's like a. Um, JB Smooth thing, or uh, like on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Who's that guy that lives with Larry David now in the later seasons? It's Leon. Yes, Leon. Exactly. Yeah, he can be yeah. like. <laughs> did you guys? Did you guys watch the most recent season? No, I sure did. Yeah, it was solid. There was, there was a, <laughs> there was a joke. It's one of the ones that Tracy Ullman was in, and she's like putting a puzzle together, a cat puzzle. And they're arguing because she wants to build the puzzle where he eats his, his breakfast. And Leon's like, this is a breakfast nook. You can't be doing puzzles here. And she's saying, yeah. like, well, when I'm living here, you can do puzzles here. And he says, yeah, well, you can't do a puzzle. You can't do a thousand piece puzzle if you only have 999 pieces. And he uh, slowly walks off. <laughs> she, she's like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't dare. I, I thought it was hilarious. Tracy Ullman was on fire in that season. Yeah, she was pretty funny. Yeah. Absolutely lost in that character. But uh, back on track. Doing? What are we where doing are we? here? What are, where are we? Uh, where am I? Um, okay, so we're going to talk about we're going to talk about Romstein's self-titled album. Uh, this is a track by track episode, which means we have some uh, ca- some uh, some segments we like to do. Um, let's start with. Uh, have you guys heard about this? The Uh-oh. Nine Inch News section. Uh, got some things. Uh, what do you got there, Jay? Got some things off the wire here. <laughs> Did you guys? Uh, and this is some uh, stuff about just a couple of band things I found interesting. Some stuff based off bands we've talked about. Other stuff I just found interesting here on the uh, the wire here. Um, Did you guys hear about the Judas Priest kerfluffle? Judas Priest. Going on their final tour, it might be their final tour. It's their, it's their delayed by COVID 50th anniversary tour. It was supposed to happen last year. They're going to do it next year. Um, Judas Priest, who famously has the twin guitar attack, said they were going to do this final tour as a four piece. Did you guys hear about this? I think I saw the headline. I didn't click on the article, though. Yeah, so they announced they were going to do this final tour as a four-piece. One of their guitar players, who's also their producer now, Andy Sneap, was going to focus on producing. They were going to do it as a four-piece. And that doesn't make a lot of sense, because when you think about Judas Priest, you think of the dual guitar, just twin attack. And uh, the internet went crazy. Radio show hosts went crazy. Uh, I thought it was wild. I just didn't sound good to me. It wouldn't sound like Judas Priest. Everybody had something to say. And about two weeks later, they walked it back and said, nope, nope, nope. We're going to do this final tour with two guitar players. You know, we heard you loud and clear. Uh, pretend this never happened. And I found it interesting that the uh, the rabble rousing of the public actually had an effect for once. So. Were they kicking somebody out? Was somebody leaving? Like, what was the it, genesis it, it, behind all of this uh, controversy? I think it's 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 one of those weird things where I think like maybe when a 
a baseball or a sports team, but a baseball team isn't managed very well. And they put a story out there about a player to see, you know, what the other teams might sniff around for trades or something. Like, I don't know if they announced that, uh, and didn't really have a plan in place. And maybe we're going to bring back their old guitar player that left before. I doubt it. Cause he hates the band. Now a uh, KK Downing's not a fan of uh Jews priest anymore. Um, I don't know if it was for like money purposes, if they didn't just want to pay another guitar player. I don't know. It's bizarre because the guy still was going to produce their next album. It's very strange. They used the the storyline that they, you know, by taking time away from the road, he can focus on producing our record. Maybe that was really it. But uh, that same producer, Andy Sneep, said, yeah, I'm kind of bummed I'm not going to be playing guitar on the road anymore. So who knows? But they quickly walked it back. That is interesting. Uh, obviously, there's a story there, and uh, uh, someday it'll be told. But if it is just merely administrative, it might not be a very exciting story. But whatever. Well, yeah, you know, the old bands, wild. Know. old band management. That's just like your boring job. People make terrible decisions. Yep. Well, that's true. So, uh, what uh, else is out there? Uh, another another loud thing. It's a band. I don't know if we've ever talked about them on here. Um, I don't think I, I don't think either of you are fans. I owned a couple of records back in my uh, uh, mascara wearing floor punching days. Um, this band, every time I die, they, they've exist, they, they existed for about 20 years until about a, a week or two ago. Did you guys hear about this? Every time I die bands, uh, just uh, implosion. No. You hear about this? No. Nope. All right. You got every time I die, they were a, I guess, metalcore band. They, 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 you know, they, they, they you had your, you had your earth crises and then your converges and your cave ins and your Dillingers. And after that, in the late nineties, early aughts was the next wave. Some would call it screamo of the metalcore bands. Um, uh, you know, bad, really bad haircuts, like haircuts Dingular. that, the angular haircuts that later look like something that uh, fireworks. Yeah, fireworks. The yeah, the and, fireworks it, in the back that talk to the manager kind of haircut. Exactly, and then and, you know years later, like uh, you know John and Kate plus eight or whatever, like the Karen mothers on those kind of shows had this same haircut. Very interesting yeah. how that worked. It's like uh, a folded yeah. over bang with the fireworks in the back. Yeah, yeah, wearing you know wearing bandanas around your wrist and uh, studded belts. Basically, the hot topic looks of the time as these guys. Sure. And uh, you know, uh, anyhow, uh, yeah, you're every Are time I get that upcoming my chemical romance like Firefest thing. Probably would have been on that. Okay. The only different, you know, yeah, you're every time I die, you're you're poisoning the wells, you're bleeding throughs. Um, the genre is kind of hard to go back to unless the bands evolved. Every time I, I did that, I think that they got better as they went along. They started to have a Southern influence. They were pretty humorous. Um, they eventually signed to Epitaph Records and pretty big, got pretty big. Um, the lead singer, Keith Buckley, the lead singer is Keith Buckley, guitar player is Jordan Buckley. And, uh, a few years ago, the lead singer got sober, which is good for him. But uh, he got sober and then he like a, a schism started splitting between him and the band. And eventually he started saying things like, you know, he had to 
when they go on tour, he would get an RV and he would not ride in the same uh, van as the, the band. He would ride behind them in his RV. Um, he would only show up right in time for the show. He started putting uh, strange videos on the internet of him sitting in the bathtub, claiming he's totally sober. But um, there's some stuff he wants to discuss with the fans, and he's in the bathtub talking to fans on his phone. Um, started making these accusations at the end of last year that the band was trying to kick him out and get a new singer. His own brother was trying to betray him. And um, making like all these wild accusations... The, the band tried to keep things together. Eventually, they just couldn't do it anymore. And they 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 broke up over the Internet, basically, with the, you know, posts on Instagram or something saying that, you know, the all of the band except this guy are going to start a new band. And this guy is no longer the singer. But every time I die is done. And it's a extremely messy breakup. One of the most messiest breakups I've ever seen. Uh just sad though because it just seems that this guy you know he got sober but definitely it must have been something else going on because it was always everyone else's fault it was always everyone else's fault to the point where he destroyed a band he started and uh, his brother his brother was the guitar player and they uh they don't like each other at all so very very interesting end to that band that you guys never listened to and I doubt you ever will but uh one Truly of the sounds like a civil war brother against brother failure to communicate their hands are tied one of the more interesting <laughs> band band breakups i've seen in a while i'll wait for the ryan murphy uh dramatization of uh of, of the of the band but i I'll, hopefully well if it's anything like his other shows i mean uh the haircuts will be on point for the uh the the 2001 episodes <laughs> that'd be great american crime story actually that could be an emo band out there too it probably is yeah if I, if I have the, the wherewithal to google it um and uh one other thing this is just uh, ghost the band ghost they're putting a new album out in march and I'm very excited for it. Eric, did you listen to that new song yet? Listen up, you motherfuckers. Those Ivy League dopes, they wanna mock us. Tell them all, this is war. And I'm fighting a war, it's for suckers. Assassinate. Gather the troops to disintegrate. Hate. Raping the seeds as I reprobate. I'm number one, you number two. It's cool. It's definitely uh, it's definitely a change in uh, in sound, in a, in a you know in a good way. Evolution and stuff. I, I think it's definitely you know Ghost has definitely always been here. Are my influences. Let me see how I can mix them together and, and sound like Ghost. But come on, you can tell I'm influenced by X Y Z bands. And this new song definitely sounded like early '90s Ozzy Osbourne to me. And I could definitely th- that that progression makes sense. So, new full-length Ghost album in March. That's fun. That's my news. All right. Uh, and there was uh, another bit of news. I um, saw that they're going to re-release both the Downward Spiral and Broken uh, as part of these like hideous album covers. 
And I come to find out I have nothing on, I, I don't have any research or notes on this, but apparently the, uh, those that are in the yeah. know, apparently this Richard Prince uh, character who did the reimagination of the artwork for Downward Spiral, which is not good. Um, he's uh, kind of a vulture artist, so doesn't seem to be a good guy. But I did see pictures of Trent and Maraqueen and Atticus and Ilian um, out in the uh, out in the masses, I think, at this art gallery show. Uh, Jimmy Iovine was there. There's some pictures. Trent looking like a chiseled, like man. He gets more handsome as the days go on. I don't know what to tell you. It's just one of those things that there's like a Dorian Gray like portrait up in the attic somewhere. Um, well, he does sit around and lift weights and write music. Well, he's it. not as bulky as he used to be now. Right. He's definitely leaning into the um, elder statesman look now. Yeah, cut. He cut his COVID hair. Um, you know. Oh yeah, I'm sure he still has like a you know like one percent body fat or oh, some yeah, shit. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, but like that dusty old like five o'clock shadow that he's sporting, it's in that leather jacket. It's like easy there, Fonz. Hey, you don't You're have to sell us for li- the, both of us. We literally jacked off to Trent Reznor for a year and a half in the first season of the show. So, <laughs> and people listen literally. to it. Yeah, literally. <laughs> the artwork on the really the episode just- where we all did that. Terrible, just terrible that the, the re-releases, that artwork, they're like $2,500 a piece. I'm not kidding. Uh, to me, it feels like Trent what said now? those those re-releases, those records. you got to be they kidding cost me. two, five, well, you only, zero, zero. Yeah, yeah, you only get yeah. one of them? Like, are there, is only one of them being made? Like, what? Even if, <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's, it's that Wu-Tang thing. It, right. Um, but just Martin Skrillic is coming out of his dungeon to get that. Yeah. The, the, the artwork is bad and it doesn't, it doesn't reflect like maybe listen, we've lived with those albums for 30 years, but it doesn't look like it fits those records at all. It doesn't look good. And it also seems to smack of, to me of Trent saying, well, I can't just do this weird NFT thing that nobody really understands. But there's not a bored the, monkey on there. Yeah. Yeah. The maybe the maybe there's another way I can put bad art out there and like some assholes will just buy it to show that they have money. All right, let's do it. Let's just put what out some the, releases with I bad you art. just told me something that makes absolutely no logical sense. You broke my brain here. So if you want to buy like these reissues with this horrible artwork, it's you're gonna have to lay down twenty five hundred dollars. Two five zero zero. Yes, sir. How, how, oh my god! <laughs> I'm gonna have to delete the first season from the archives. To have this abomination, like what? Well, it's yep. not. That's not Trent's. That's not Trent's call. I don't think that's a. That's an Interscope call because because Trent does his own. Well, not him. Per, you know, he does his own definitive vinyl releases off off his website that he oversees. I don't think he really made the call on this one, but he's still there for the press. That's for sure. So he's definitely supporting it, but definitely it seems more what like a God's thing. name. So like, is this going to be available through the NIN.com? Like, no, no. All right. It's so it's, you have to go through some weird Interscope thing. I can't wait for the uh, 30th anniversary of pork soda on Interscope then. <laughs> pork soda yeah bastard jazz 
That's uh, an abomination that Les is going to unleash upon those Bonnaroo knuckleheads. <laughs> nothing, nothing makes me feel like the world's the world's leaving me behind more than trying to like understand NFTs and blockchains and not going to do it, I, folks. Crypto, yeah, I, I, blockchains, all of that. Yeah, I don't get it. I mean, eventually, is like, am I going to not be able to spend money because I didn't keep up with this stuff? I don't know. Right. But uh, I've tried, and I'm just not. I'm not figuring it out. Not getting the point. I've uh, noticed a correlation. If those that are really into crypto. NFTs are also really into vaping. It's uh, it's like a whole outfit form. <laughs> yeah. Well, I better go check in my wife. I better go see what she, who she's been uh, texting. <laughs> All these bored monkey things are being on her phone. Like we spent how much on what now? Oh my God. That, right. that reminds me. There All was right, a vape so- shop near my house that had the best name planet of the vapes. Great. Oh yeah. Almost as good as my idea, which was serial vapist. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> uh, but Planet of the Vapes. And, uh, <laughs> and then they changed it to Your Mama's and a Therapist. I just like to call it an animal rapist. That's right. An alrapist. Uh, but uh, anyways. An alrapist. That's what it was. Yeah. Vape shops. So uh, that's, that's the news. Steven. Now it's time for the plugs. All right, folks. Plug like a hole. And uh, we'll we'll keep that name plugged like a hole for this segment until we figure out what's going on with Trent Reznor. We may have to change it soon uh, if we can't be, uh, you know, uh, representative of him anymore with this these shenanigans with these overpriced records. Until then, it's still called plug plug like a hole. Eric, what are you plugging tonight? Yeah, what am I plugging? Well, I mentioned this a little bit at our at our year end wrap up. And I gotta tell you, this is about the stupidest group I've I've ever listened to, and that's okay. Um, I have a lot of fun with them. Um, also, Kid the Rock group, and Monster Truck, <laughs> and Skillet B side of Skillet. There, no. Uh, this is looking, you know. I guess it, it, it it's good with 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 it pairs well with Rammstein, as it's definitely um, you know a little bit of uh, you know looking at the other side of the pond. Um, this is a rap group that comes out of Yorkshire, uh, UK. Uh, they're called the Bad Boy Chiller Crew, and um, I, I, I find them so so fun. Uh, they uh, their music is their background music. All their beats are built around early '90s UK dance beats, so like organ house um, and very silly, just just very silly but it's catchy as hell and these british boys uh rap about ridiculous stuff uh songs like 450 and don't worry about me footsteps on my shoes and then their videos are literally just these molded british boys rapping as they tear around a farm in rural uh rural uh britain uh on atvs doing jumps and stuff it's 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 so silly but damn catchy and this is about the most uh, about the dumbest thing I'm going to recommend on this show, but I love it. Are these the same guys that were in that Run the Jewels video, or my no, mixing up? No, my... they were from a yeah, a, a similar similar look though. I think they'd they'd all get together. 
get, 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 uh, I think they'd all hang out. Very similar look. Fantastic. Mark, what pineapples are you promoting tonight? It's uh, Euphoria. At first, I was just, this is stupid. Uh, I watched the pilot episode just trying too hard. Uh, I somehow muscled my way through it. it. You know, it seemed to be a show that was just really trying to be for shock value. Look at these kids, these youths gone wild. Your kids' type movie. And I didn't have time for that. But as I started to uh, get involved in the show, like actually starting to get a little bit more invested in the characters and the storyline, it turned out to be a pretty good one. And I saw what the hype was all about. Uh, and that Zendaya, which is kind of funny that my daughter is really into watching those tween Disney shows, your Casey undercovers, your shake it ups. And, you know, she's featured heavily on those and just seeing how the arc of her career has taken her to uh, not only being in billion dollar blockbusters like Spider-Man, um, but being able to do these types of shows. And, you know, I have to say, she kind of does show her acting chops that I didn't think that she actually had. Uh, so I would put her in more in that line of thing of, okay, uh, Ryan Gosling certainly came out of that Disney family and he turned out all right. I like Ryan Gosling, even though a lot of people think that he has got, you know, very, very small range. You can watch that funny or die video and uh, you can laugh about it. Um, but uh, that show in particular is like train spotting meets kids. I do agree with that sales pitch, um, but uh, it's got some really good music at one point. Uh, there's a ministry's effigy song comes on in a truck. Um, so I uh, it's a deep cut right there. Um, but yeah, no, honestly, it took me by surprise. I, uh, it's in just starting season two and, uh, so far I'm actually been impressed with it in, despite my earlier misgivings about it. And, uh, I think it's worth a shot if you haven't checked it out. Well, maybe I'm in the, the minority here, but, uh, you know, white Lotus was also really good. And it, it kind of like made me believe that, uh, still prestige television still exists. I just need to be more aware of it. And people are falling out of their chairs about yellow jackets, which I think Steve like recommend like, yeah, he did. And I think I need to give that one a day in court too. flying out of their chairs. Well, (laughs) flying out of their chairs, folks. I've been meaning to watch euphoria so I can, you know, pop by the, uh, the middle school that I, that I, that I support and uh, have something to talk about with those kids. So, Hey, did you see the last euphoria? Oh man. Good thing that those all of those actors and actresses are of age because you see a lot of penises, a lot of boobs, a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of a lot of shenanigans, a lot of uh, tomfoolery, a lot of ballyhoo. All right. Good to know. And uh, yeah, she's also in the new Dune. That's right. She so, is. Right. She had all of five lines, but yeah, she's in there. From the same network. And uh, the, the new Righteous Gemstones has been tickling my fancy. I, I'm i always there for a new Danny McBride show or a, a Jody Hill show, rather. But both of them, both of them together. Uh, Righteous Gemstones, uh, Vice Principals, Eastbound and Down. I enjoyed them all thoroughly, but the new the new Righteous Gemstones, their 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 ability to make something comedic 
but also look great at the same time. Why can't we get more of that? Why can't we get more comedies that look like they're directed by an auteur? I mean, you might get some of that with like a Wes Anderson movie here or there. Not enough. Not enough, I say. A lot, a lot of vehicles coast on the jokes. And don't forget that we're also trying to watch something here. And Righteous Gemstones, I think better than anything I've, I've watched, that uh, a comedy is just stunning to look at. The direction's great. The choice of music is great. Cinematography is great. Danny McBride, Adam Devine, John Goodman, uh, Edie, Walton Goggins, friend of the show, Eric Robert. They're all just doing great in the the send-up televangelism family. Yeah, no, I, I I watch it every week. It's it's great. Listen, it's it's a great show. It's it, yeah, and it's it's beautiful. Every every episode is directed by, or it looks like it's directed by like or like a rap video director. Um, and but but you know if like hype Williams or something in the sense that there's like slow motion shots and everything looks like it's worth a million dollars. Um, and that's the point is is sending up the uh, sending up the uh, the greed and all that. Uh, but this this season gives uh, John Goodman a real focus, and uh, you learn a lot about him. And uh, he gets he gets to have some real uh, dramatic moments. It's great. Yeah, but even the vice principals look great. I thought, and uh, I've been rewatching Eastbound and Down. And as that show went on, they started to find that formula, which is you know trying to make things look as good as the jokes that are on screen. And Eastbound and Down holds up too. I don't know if, if you guys have watched it since it ended, but it's just as funny as as I remember. Uh, I <laughs> that first season, man. Uh, I've watched that first season a few times. I'm in the middle of the second one now. But that first season, that that uh, Ashley Schaefer character, Will Ferrell's, you know, uh, <laughs> it looks like Ric Flair selling cars at the BMW lot. I just every time that character cracks me up, and also. Uh, his buddy Stevie Sanowski or whatever the hell his name is. One of the oh, most Stevie. Stevie is an all-time character. One of the more weirdest all-time. characters in recent history of television. Uh yeah, Eastbound and Down, Vice Principals, Righteous Gemstones, the whole Danny McBride, Jody Hill, David Gordon Green catalog. I've been revisiting it and enjoying it. Yeah, I celebrate everything in that uh universe. I, I really do. And uh I don't know why I'm sleeping on Righteous Gemstones. But uh, I slept on Vice Principals for the longest time, too. And uh, solid stuff all throughout. Funny stuff, folks. Observe and report. That movie, that was a good one. They, uh, I'll watch anything anything that those guys work on together. Paul Blart, the, uh, the nice guy version of Observe and Report. That's I feel right. feel like they came out at the same time. They did. It was a... Right. Dante's Peak volcano situation. Deep um, impact Armageddon. Yep. Exactly. All cops were just in the zeitgeist. <laughs> yeah. I was actually working in a mall that year. Uh, so. At the uh, Cinnabon and witness protection. <laughs> yeah. Wait, hold on. No, was, that was like, we had, we had our first kid and I, and I was working for the school, but then like I was, I had, it wasn't enough. So I had to work at a Suncoast until they went out of business or until I got fired and then they went out of business. But yes, good times. Good times. It's a sad state of affairs when a public education teacher or just dealing, working in public education has to get a second job. It's a travesty folks. It's capitalism. Can't make money off kids. 
Not like we used to, at least. That's right. That's it's right. also it's also a tragedy. It's taken us 40 minutes to get to the point of this podcast. So let's talk about Rammstein's self-titled album. And it was released in May 17th of 2019. After a 10-year layoff for the band, they occasionally toured, they occasionally released a single here and there, but uh, they go at their own pace, as we discussed in the last episodes. It was recorded at the Studio La Fabrique in France. They always seem to record their albums in somewhere exotic, and they went to France for this one. Uh, Jacob Hellerman did not produce this one. He produced all of the other ones. They decided to go with somebody different on this record. I don't believe there was a falling out of any sort. I think it was just time to try something different. A gentleman named, I'm, I'm having trouble pronouncing his name here, the last name. I mean, uh, Olsen, Olsen Invotini. Olsen Invotini. It's a good sound amount. Mr. Invotini, if you're, if you're listening, I, I, I apologize. But uh, if it's any consolation, Mr. Invotini. We really like the work you did in this album. The production is solid. Good job, Olson. And uh, yeah, this album came out on May 17th, 2019. I was very excited for it. And we're going to go into it track by track. Starting with the opening track, Deutschland. biased i picked this album um obviously i'm a fan of this band but when i think of album openers it is hard for me 
to think of many that do a job of opening a record better than this song. Mark, I know you agree with me. Yeah, that's an understatement. Um, This song, or even the intro itself, as it builds into that rising action that we've talked about, uh, this intro really does belong in a museum. Uh, That synth line can absolutely fuel rockets to Mars. It just, if it doesn't get you moving, get you going, uh, you better check your pulse because there might be a problem. And then the strings and the guitars start mimicking mimicking it. It's like, I like to call that guitar riff, the Power Rangers riff, where it literally feels like a live wire. Um, You you see that or hear that uh, quite a bit in uh, metal songs. An interesting choice, interesting choice of words there, live wire, because I would call it an ACDC riff because it reminds me of Thunderstruck by ACDC, who have a song called Live Wire. But yes, both work. It's electric, baby. I mean, that's you know, there's no other way to put it. It, it sounds like some uh, Tesla coil, you know, uh, just doing its thing. just explode in this full band like a better word orgasm just it, it, that rising action and then just like explodes with the band just all coming in together uh it's for me definitively a top five rammstein song uh with its power uh to a foreign ear i i do think that some people could fall into that trap that this is propaganda you know, hearkening back to, uh, you know, the way things were in Deutschland. Um, but that is furthest from the truth. I think that it describes the love and criticism a citizen one would have with their home country. You know, uh, they love it. And if you look at the English translation, they love where they're coming from, but they don't disregard the horrible past of Germany at all. And Germany, my heart in flames, want to love you and damn you. I think it's incredibly cr- relatable to any critical thinking citizen in any country. I mean, the three of us have certainly have had that same philosophy for the last five years. Um, it's highly relatable. We'll talk more about the video, but I'll just say the video is a masterpiece. Uh, it tells the story of German history throughout the ages and uh, couldn't be done better. Yeah, I agree with you. The The sentiment of the lyrics of this song, it is very much uh, talking about being in love with the country, but uh, that love, you don't know if that love's enough to overcome some of the things that the country has done and how painful that is. And uh, yeah, I go, we can, any, any patriot can probably relate to that once you start peeling back uh, the, the mask of what, what your, your, your country's been up to. 
Uh, these days, it's not that hard. It's every day, all day long to hear about it. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to you know, put you guys on the spot, but of course I love America, but I also think America is not the best country in the, in the world. You know, those two things can't exist, you know? Yes. They're, they're, well, Rammstein yeah. wrote a yeah, song called, them, called, called America, which actually, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the, that song is... Uh, it, could could the same band that wrote the song America, which is a satirical look at uh, American, uh, I don't know, you know globalism, uh, if there could be such a thing, uh, that's definitely they could look they could look at their own country with a critical eye and explain how they're torn between their love for it and their uh, critical dissection of the actions of their country. I don't know how else to put it. Obviously. Yeah. This is the same band that uh, this is not, they, they don't just what it's interesting with Rammstein. Obviously they just toss lyrics out there sometimes with songs like pussy for God's sakes in that puta song. But then you've got something like this where the guy sat down and he's like, all right, I'm going to write some poetry about how I am a Patriot of Germany and at the same time, I cannot, I, I, I cannot, uh, I'll just let it go how many things this country has done without criticizing it. So it's good. So for me, this track is, well, the best Rammstein track and just one of the best singles of the last uh, 10 years. It's really amazing. And in a way, it's kind of an artifact for the country of Germany as well, or, or, or it should be um, the video as well. And, and obviously we'll get to that. Um, and yes, you guys are all right. Everything you said about the music, I'm right there with you. I don't have a lot to add. It's epic. It's swooping. It's dancey. It combines uh, the metal side of Germany and the dance like uh, electronic body music of Germany uh, and it just melds it so well um, and uh, the lyrics you guys are spot on what I do think is interesting <clears throat> is it doesn't actually make any reference to historical events in the lyrics yeah. the video does that the lyrics do not um, but <clears throat> but what they say and one of my favorite lines here is that you know it, it, part of the chorus is the Germany my heart in flames Want to love and damn you. Germany, your breath's cold, so young and yet so old. That so young and yet so old is so interesting because what that means to me is when you when you and your country have to make like a collective reboot of your identity. And what's different about Germany and to America is the history. Like like I think the video shows them going like back to like 9 AD. Um, and they have like history that spans so much time and then the atrocities and there's a lot but especially world war ii after that they had to do a collective reboot which makes them old but young too their uh their current identity now is is post reboot uh and part of that reboot was i mean if you look at like the laws and stuff like that like they they couldn't reference nazis in 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 uh any like pop culture or anything like that so like that part of it was erasing the past and ignoring it and then this is like and then some of it and especially this is like 
No, you don't ignore it. Like you have to face it head on. And um, I just think the song's super powerful. And uh, it's it, it moves me. And uh, and and it's it, it's kind of bigger than a song. I feel like I mean I'm not German, but I have a, I feel like this. This could mean a lot to a lot of people. Yeah, li- I mean, lyrically, it's very moving, but also it's just a powerful sounding song. I mean, to like the sound of the song itself, like Mark was saying, I mean, as an opener of an album, it's great. Uh, you can't ask for much of an opener better than this with just the build it gets to the song. You've got the, these 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 synths that sound like, you know, uh, something out of Terminator leading into Richard and Paul's guitar, guitar, doing guitar riff, which you know, it's kind of mimicking it. Um, and then when everything kind of comes crashing in with the bass and the drums, it's just like, it's, it's, it kind of makes you like, you're kind of want to move. Everything's a really big, loud sound. It's, it starts minimal very quickly. It becomes a very loud sound like maximal. And then when the verses start, it just drops down to the electronics and the drum and the bass. And it has such a good groove. Um, it's a really good choice to uh, start completely minimalistic, then get big and loud right in your face, and then right back down to the verses, focusing on the verse with just the drum and the bass and the electronics. And then when the chorus has come back, the guitars come back in. It's just the way they put things together. We've said before, they're very efficient, German efficiency. They, they're able to separate sounds perfectly on this track. And the, the rising action and, and then the separating of the instruments and letting, giving you time to breathe when the verses are happening uh, without losing any of the momentum is amazing. Uh, yeah, I, I just, enough can't be said about that. The opening guitar, like the closest thing I could say is it sounds like Thunderstruck. Uh, it's just it's just wonderful. This could be another one that, you know, lyrics aside, this song could also be played at basketball games when the team's coming out, if you ask me. Um, I think I've probably listened to this song like. Who knows? 500 times. <laughs> I mean, it's hard I, enough to. I mean, say what you will about ACDC. I definitely it's interesting that I just absolutely missed on that. But Thunderstruck is one of like the best album in, uh, intros uh, of all time, it really is. Oh yeah, I just get you get you going, man. And it's <laughs> and I, I, I don't disagree with you. And every time this song comes on, the the buildup of this song is so good. I never get tired of it. And every time, like I get this feeling of like, all right, we're doing this. We're listening to the Deutschland song again. Here we go. Here we go. Like every time it starts, I just get excited. It's electric. And it's just uh, a part of it's just, you know, the quality of the entire song with the way they build it is get you going. And uh, like I said, they rising action. They're the they're the, the, the personification of rising action.
my money back. <laughs> Uh, I love I love in this track the uh, the backup vocals the backup vocals are very good the echoing you know do do has do has I I think it's Richard doing the backup vocals he does he kind of his he just kind of echoes off of what uh, Till says quietly um, it's it's very well done the the keyboards during the verses have this like strange like echo effect to them that just gives this song this feeling that it's out of time the song sounds like a time capsule that could be anywhere or anything floating around it's it's incredible i think flock a's uh i'm gonna be bringing him him up a lot tonight his his work on on this song just gives it this just icy touch to it it's uh it's wonderful and uh i mean the song itself just it sounds like a like end of the world dance party i and part of that probably is influenced obviously by the video but the song sounds like the video looks like no other video i've ever seen you never want a video to overtake your idea of a song in this case though i'm okay with it I think this song and this video that was actually going to lead to my that was going to lead to oh, a question I was going to oh, ask. I remember the first like, time they they mean the first you, time I heard this song was the first time I watched the video. They released the video. They didn't release the song first. Right. I remember it very well. I was uh it was the morning <clears throat> of the video coming out in like like maybe March of that year and uh that was the first time we were going to hear new Rom sign in forever and I was getting ready for work. I was in my bathroom you know, letting the shower run because I'm an eco-terrorist and I could not believe what I was hearing. I could not believe what I was seeing on my little phone, which was not, you know, don't tell David Lynch this, but that was uh, not the optimal way to watch or hear it, but I couldn't wait. And I, I think the video and the song go so well together that, uh, they completely could be independent of each other. You can watch that video and mute, still get a lot out of it, but, uh, together they do so much more. Um. Uh, yeah, the video. Oh boy, uh, Eric. Eric, I hope you uh, you're you're hydrated. Um, I mean the the, the video is <laughs> the video is the uh, Romstein. We've already established Romstein videos are upper class, top of the top. Um, this one is the band at different times in Germany's history. Uh, and throughout these different times, these different important events, you've got, you've got something that looks like, um, I don't know, the crusades or something, some Christian, uh, knights in shining armor stuff. Uh, you've got some monks that look like they're during the plague times. You've got some, uh, world war two Holocaust uh, situation. You've got a scene that's set inside. It looks like some kind of um, fiscal crisis, like, uh, you know, uh, uh, I don't know. I don't I don't know enough German history to even know what what kind of stock markets were crashing. But it looks like that happens. You've got another scene. that looks like something out of the 1970s, like a bank heist gone wrong inside of a parking garage. Probably probably some kind of like hostage situation. And uh, you've also got some scenes in the future of people in spacesuits and lasers cracking the earth in half. 
And I think the Hindenburg at one point is uh, crashing in the background. And throughout all of this, the band is walking around. The band is uh, they're not playing their instruments, but Till is singing in the video, sometimes looking right at the camera and singing to great effect. And uh, during all of this, there is a black woman who sings along as well to the Deutschland lines. And she kind of seems to be the center of each of the time lines. And it all comes together at the end with spacesuits and puppies. And I'm not making that up. Eric, help me help help the listeners understand more what I just tried to explain here about this great music video. That's right. He's back in the crate. Yeah. So everything you said is spot on those historical moments that are happening. You know, some of them I know, you know, you've got your not your Nazi book burning. Um, you've got what may, uh, looks like the I think you get some like leftist rebels, like with the Red Army faction towards the end in the 70s. Hindenburg, of course, is happening. You've got some like crazy like uh, Middle Ages, like cannibalism as magic stuff happening. Um, and yes, the uh, the uh, black performer is a German actress named uh, Ruby Kami, who plays uh, and she represents Germania, which is like a which was like a symbol for the army and just represents the German spirit. And um, I think if I'm going to make any sense of this, uh, the lasers that are happening have something to do with time travel. And we have these moments in history. And then we have this future timeline where they're sending Germania back through the past. And it's just kind of like Germania, I think represents the future of Germany. She's, you know, She's a strong woman. She's she's black. She's not this Anglo kind of picture of Germany that it's been for so long. And she just kind of has to confront all of the crazy shit in the past. And at some point it all just comes to a nexus. And <laughs> the Nazis are fighting the witch hunting like middle aged soldiers and the red factions in there. And there's explosions and, uh, and it just becomes a mess. But um, that's kind of what. That's kind of what they have to do is you have to confront it. It's going to be a mess. It's going to be ugly. Um, and uh, I think it's just one of the most incredible videos of all time. So good. So I don't know if that cleared anything up, but that's that's my perception on on what is happening in that video. It's about as good as I could do. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, there's definitely some kind of reckoning going on there. And trying to confront your confront the atrocities and also move forward somehow, or maybe, you know, maybe that's the end of everything. I don't know. Maybe the puppies are, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe this country needs to mutate into puppies being removed from the guts of spacemen in order to move forward at all. You have to turn into puppies. I don't know. It's, uh, the final shots are just uh, it's just <laughs> removing puppies from from spacemen. It's crazy. It's uh, the whole thing's crazy. It's cra- it's crazy and great. It's not crazy in the way where you can't understand what's happening. Everything is directed well. It's it, it's easy to follow. It's very appealing to the eye. I mean, during the during the the build up in the beginning, when it goes from the synths and the the ACDC line into the whole band doing the riffs. 
You've got a, uh, you've got Richard and Till in flapper times, uh, Peaky Blinder times, putting on brass knuckles and getting to a bar knuckle fight that gets put into slow motion. The yeah. Golden Twenties. It's all great. I'm a big uh, fan Mark, of Richard's wink. He like winks at oh, the beginning. Yeah. God oh, damn. It's, a, it's another it's another wonderful like they're all great actors in, in their own way in this stuff. Yeah, that, a, yeah, that wink he gives in it right at that right moment before they get into the, yeah. the brawl. God, I love yeah, that. Yeah, he yeah, he uh the the part that I am always it's it's sad, but I mean there's that part of the song where the lyrics are the uh um the, you know the uber mensch uber lesson uber uh, they they rephrase the word uber multiple times um and then deutschland 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 oh, deutschland yeah. uber allen which is deutschland deutschland overall germany germany overall and when he says uber yeah. allen he looks right at the camera before, uh, in that holocaust uh, segment so it's good. timed so well it's it's just great um and there was a little, there was yeah. a little, you know, people so, obviously, yeah. you know, Germans and uh, singing about Germany. And then they have the gall to bring up the Holocaust. Well, what's going on here? And one of them's dressed like a Nazi. Well, obviously, you know, later the Nazi gets shot in the face, by the way. But obviously, this is a, you know, a condemnation on such things. Uh, it sure is. But, but did you notice that, uh, did you notice that though, that scene though, with the Nazi getting shot, that it's, it appears the way it's cut to be a fantasy of till as the Holocaust prisoner about to be hanged. I like, catch that. You see the, sh- you see the shot happen and then it cuts, it cuts back to him and he's right as he's about to hang, but it looks like it's a fantasy he's having kind of in the moment, but uh, it's a definitely a cool moment. And uh, I don't think you can show the Nazi symbol on Germany TV too. So I wonder if they edited that in for the American YouTube. I don't know. You mean they're not putting up uh, Confederate kind of like type statues? Like they do here. Good <laughs> fucking god! They certainly, certainly no no statues uh, celebrating uh, celebrating uh, yeah, these, this, these fucking guys. <laughs> fucking losers of history. All right, sorry, Steve. Ah, that's fine. It's a, anytime, anytime you want to go down that road, it's fine with me. Uh, Mark, you love this video too, right? Oh God, I love it. I mean, uh, you peeped me on this. You're like, you got to check this video out. Um, so put the kids to bed. Uh, then I in, uh, even showed Jen, um, who's, you know, on record, not a huge Romstein fan or even a metal fan. And she enjoyed this video. Uh, using an African-American as Germania was uh, definitely a calculated uh, piece uh, just to show like, no, we're not showing the fact the white man is superior by any means, or even having a man be superior. I, I, I do love that imagery till having his head cut off, which I'm sure means something. Um, but yeah, uh, having till and Richard look like we Willie Winky from the wind in the willows. Who's, uh, getting the deed to toad hall is always a good time. And, you know, having also, this cannibalism scene where they're all dressed as monks. There's just, it's a lot, but it's also just flows so well. Um, At the end of the video, you hear the uh, piano tinklings, the piano version of Sunny. In the beginning, I had to look it up, but uh, that little like droney throbby uh, thing that's happening in the credits 
whole video is very cinematic. Uh, it's from the uh, video or the movie um, Sicario. Um, it's uh, composed by Johan Johansson. And uh, I haven't seen that that movie, but I, I tell you what, I am a big Taylor Sheridan fan these days. And I'm going to have to put that on my watch list. It's all connected, man. He's the uh, creator of that mustache cowboy show. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, Sicario is great. The first one, the second uh, the second one was like it was in that category of why does this need a sequel? But the first one is uh, you're going to be on the edge of your seat the whole time. Uh, Johan Johansson, may he rest in peace. He made some interesting music. Oh, he died. Yeah, he died a few years ago. Oh, man. Well, I'm not up with current events, apparently. Or old ones. Um, <laughs> we call that history. Yeah, song's great. Video's great. Uh, some images in the video that I like also is uh, when the a tank's rolling through and there's a stormtrooper of some sort. Or I don't know if it's a guard. Maybe it's a futuristic police officer uh, banging their baton on the uh, the barrel of the tank in time with the music. It's just it's a split second shot, but I always just find it to be uh, appealing. Also, uh, the band's outfits during the scene in the uh, like where, you know, the banks are crashing. Um, <laughs> it's just, just, just just great stuff. Uh, Till's wearing this ridiculous hat that uh, <laughs> I don't. Uh, uh, he like, looks like yeah he looks like he just got done like duck hunting in the alps with that yeah, it's just so <laughs> stupid oh man the uh the, the the costume budgets in this video alone my god maybe it took him 10 10 years to make this album because they were just saving up for that video um directed by a guy named richard specter great video uh just just amazing amazing video amazing amazing song uh, it, it's hard not to be prone to hyperbole on a podcast where you pick albums. You love to talk about them every once in a while. We're going to pick an album. That's kind of so, so hell tales in the punch bowl. You know, we didn't just sit here and uh, beat each other off about it, but Deutschland, I tell you might be Rammstein's best song might be like the best opening song of all time. I don't know. It's definitely, it's way up there. It's just so far up there. I've, I've never, I've listened to it many times and still I'm not tired of it. Deutschland. My kids love it too. Good, good album opener. One of the best album openers that we've discussed. That's for sure. Moves into a great track too. It does the track two rule. It dials the intensity back a little bit, but it keeps the momentum going. And it's a song called radio. Radio.
This song is uh, very cool, uh, especially what it's about. Uh, lyrics, uh, we are we were not allowed to belong, not to see, speak, or listen, but every night for an hour or two, I am gone from this world. Every night, a bit of happiness, my ear up close to the world receiver. receiver. So this is about back when, you know, they were coming up and they were, you know, on the Eastern Bloc, they were on the other side of the wall where everything was state-run, state-controlled, but they got to hear the radio from, you know, West Berlin, um, from the other side of the wall, and uh, they were inspired. They uh, it showed them a world of music and, and opportunity. This is why they were, like, so convinced they wanted to go to America to try to break through, all this kind of stuff. So that is what the song is about, and I think it's kind of super uplifting and historically interesting. Uh, in that in that way, um, uh, yeah. There's a great line like every night and again. I simply fly away with the music, um, floating through all rooms, no borders, no fences. Just that dream that the wall, you know, isn't there. Uh, the wall, you know, between any any anything really isn't there, uh, and and freedom is is within your grasp. It's great. Um, the song is built around uh, something that. Flake does a few times on this album where he builds essentially a modern house track uh, of, of techno music in the background without drums so that the band can build around it. Um, it's, uh, you know, repetitive, but damn if it isn't funky and fun. Um, and then you've got some super compressed guitar chops uh, shredding over the top. And uh, it's a fun little single. Um, and a super catchy chorus. Uh, so in a, in a video as well, that it's about liberation, uh, liberation of the titties. Nope. Sorry, oh, guys. Man. I thought that would be funnier. Uh, <laughs> no, I definitely had my FBI inspector <laughs> shirt when you said that on. Anyways, uh, but no, but liberation uh, in all forms. Anyways, uh, great, great track. That's what I got to say about it. Yeah, the, the the electronics in this song, I mean, they're very minimalistic, but uh, Flocke is a scientist who's just distilled like the, the, the electronics needed on this record down to their essence. Um, and I, I, minimalistic might not even be the right word. I think a lot of times he just uses the perfect amount of sound to keep the rhythm of the track going to give it the shading it needs. I mean, on this one, uh, there's like, it reminds me of Pong or reminds me of like the Apple IIe blending these sound effects seamlessly in with the music. Um, it gives it, it gives it a driving beat. At the same time, it gives uh, the guitars in the rhythm section something to bounce off of. Uh, I really, I really dig the electronics on this song. And also, in a track where it's talking about, you know, transmission, I think uh, analog sounding craft worky uh, electronic touch is perfect for it. Um, yeah, I just I, I, I when I think of this song, I love the chorus. The the, the chorus is extremely catchy and Flocke's work. Those two things on this track do it all for me. 
And um, it's one of the more positive Rammstein songs. I mean, still, they're singing about growing up in the uh, the German Democratic Republic where they were on the other side of the wall. But that that romantic feeling of this is they were able to find art somehow and be inspired by it, uh, that it, it, it literally it busted through the barriers of the wall. It's pretty incredible. And it's conveyed pretty well in that video where, yeah, it shows, you know, the video start, the video's got the band dressed up in old timey, uh, like 1930s big band, the gear. Um, and they're playing live in, it looks like a, for an old style radio, uh, inside an old style studio. And the transmission of what they're doing goes out to, it looks like kind of the beaten down class of the, the working class. A lot of shots of uh, the mothers with babies trying to get things done, which I I like. And eventually it even it even breaks down into uh, some kind of police state cronies are going to break up the band and they bust in to break up the band. And it turns into a synchronized dance party with a bunch of the police state cronies dancing. Um. Really good, actually choreographed dancing. And it goes again, the the pairing of the video with the song is very, very good. The these they're not just tossing these videos out there, a bunch of guys standing in front of a green screen that has nothing to do with the music. It it, it pairs very well. Mark, what do you think about radio? Radio is a solid track too. With you uh, mentioning that it sounds reminiscent of Pong, I do agree with that. I picked up on that as a kind of an old modem mixed with a pinball-like sound effect during the verses. Uh, it's a highly catchy song. Uh, and uh, I do agree that even watching that America uh, documentary, you know, they were talking about their love of kiss and how they had to essentially sneak in Western radio in order to really become the personalities in their musical tastes as they are today, make the band that they are today by those influences that they essentially had to sneak in. Um, I think this feeling like whether or not you want to take the historical uh, route on this, I think it's really relatable just by the sense of if you're in a oppressive household that won't let you listen to, uh, you know, explicit lyrics. I'm sure all three of us had to deal with that sort of sentiment when we were growing up listening to edgy music kind of secretly. So our parents wouldn't take them away or, you know, say you can't listen to that. That's not, you know, appropriate this and that. Of course, when the entire government is doing that, that's completely different. But I think that if you're looking for ways to relate uh, to the message, there's something for you here. Um, I actually. Yeah, I, I, I to that thought. This is so funny. It shows how just the world changes and how people change. But um, I, I I, I did not grow up in an oppressive household when it came to things like music and movies, really. Um, I was I didn't get free reign. And every once in a while, the, my mom would try to shut me down and tell me not to, uh, you know, I can't buy the downward spiral. I read the lyrics, but uh, as uh, not not enough to where I was uh, like a bad memory hole for me. 
But the idea of staying up late at night, listening to the radio and getting art from outside this world that you related to coming to you. I actually, I did have a phase when I was an early, probably, probably 12 and uh, 12, 13. And after everybody would go to bed, I would stay up late with my radio and listen to Love Line with Adam Carolla and Dr. Drew. You bet. Way Me too. Be- yeah, way before they became, you know, the, the idiots they became. Um, and just hearing them talk about this stuff that maybe I shouldn't be hearing about. Uh, it was kind of a like a little quiet thing for me and myself. I, I would definitely not talk to my brothers or my parents about what I was hearing on Love Line. Late at night, it was just me, my radio and Love Line. Funny enough, that was the closest thing to this song I had, and uh, I still kind of get that that feeling they were trying to convey. So, yeah, I mean that's for sure. I mean, uh, man, my God, some of the uh, penthouse letters that callers were calling in for back in those days were um, eyebrow raising. Um, <laughs> absolutely, and I would go to bed with that, and uh, we'll just leave it at that. vocal effect is great and then there's that one section where they have a, pretty much like a vocoder the you know that little breakdown before the the final chorus where it's radio mind radio uh it's wonderful um yeah the the in the video they they have the before they play there's a little little broadcast, and they're saying, uh, "Attention, attention! This is Berlin's Koenig Wusterhausen and the German shortwave transmitter. We're broadcasting dance music." And uh, Koenig's Wusterhausen was a town located a few miles southeast of Berlin. And in 1920, it was the location of the first radio transmitter to be built in Germany. And uh, a friend of the show, Devin Townsend, you might remember him from uh, the. Frontline Assembly uh, episode as a guitar player. He was quoted as saying, and this is uh, from loudersound.com. I agree with Devin here. Radio is a great example of what a band like Romstein can do so well on a business level. Often artists choose the unconventional route when it comes to singles or lead tracks based on what they deem to be artistically fulfilling. When stepping back, however, Often the best way to achieve the goals that a band like this requires for big live shows and costly productions benefit most directly from more straightforward tracks. So what he's saying here is that, you know, putting out these really catchy songs for a band like Romstein is smart because you hook people in and then you can get the money to do the, uh, the big fireworks factory. So oh, I like it. Romstein's always meant they've always, you know, brought people in. They didn't try to push people away. They, they didn't try to get so weird that you wouldn't want to come to the uh, the big fireworks show. 
But there was a lot more going on than the big fireworks show, as this song shows. Radio, very catchy. Track three. Zygditch. yourself or reveal yourself whichever translation you want to go for uh which is also a great macedon song too um this song starts out like rosemary's baby uh it's going fire and brimstone with that choir and in that regard the song is extremely critical of organized religion Uh, i think specifically the catholic church talking about molestation murder all in the name of uh the lord I think it's extremely catchy with choruses that soar. It has that like just chunking like guitar riff in the chorus uh, that uh, is pummeling. And uh, so far, every song, the first three tracks are very consistent. Um, yeah, that uh, that choir, though, that's probably the most reminiscent uh, piece of this song. And there was yeah, no choir- video. That choir, yeah, there was no video. It wasn't a single either. The three singles are uh, Deutschland Radio in the next track, Auslander. Um, Zagditch, yeah, that choir, that vocal choir uh, definitely comes in for the uh, the home the home stretch on this song too, really just stands out. Um, uh, this one, to me, is more reminiscent of what we expect from uh, typical Rammstein which is uh, still not cookie cutter at all. But this one is definitely like a Till Hammer song. I can definitely see Till doing the the, the live pounding his thigh while that guitar riff just chunks. Uh, so far on this record, this is the one that I think the guitars take the most prominence on. So uh, in, as, as the record goes through, track three is the first really guitar-driven song. the clock i'm making a metal album song but in <laughs> i don't mean to make say that disparagingly in the best way um that choir i also referenced a horror movie mark but mine was the omen with the yeah that's more fitting uh, you know choir and 
and the and the big riffs behind it, and which was a good intro, but that's all it would be if it didn't come back towards the end in such explosive manner. It's, it ends very very strong. Um, Flake is doing some good atmospheric work on this song, and not much else. The guitars and the bass are doing the heavy lifting. In fact, the bass uh, kind of takes over towards the rehash of the choir. Uh, some great bass. Yeah, work a little song. like a, almost um, like a small little bass solo. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Till Till's delivery is particularly dramatic on this song in a great way. Um a lot of a lot of uh rolling Rs as he as he likes to do. Uh it's no, this song this song is great. Like I said, if, uh, on paper it, it's your punch the clock metal song, uh Critical of the Church and all that, um which we discussed quite a bit when we talked about Behemoth. Um but uh they they make it their own. It's not Rammstein by the numbers and if it is that's okay uh it's a great great fun soaring catchy track yeah i'm glad you brought up uh till's uh rolling r's on this one he's very you could you could you could see him singing this track very like accusatory you can the way he the delivery of the verses with like his baritone the rolling r's the almost like a latin-esque delivery uh you could you could picture him like leaning in the face of a, a clergyman asking him demanding to, to know why things are the way they are. Um, you know, yeah, the sins of the church is not a, a new topic. Like you, like you said, Erica, we, we, we heard behemoth just sing about it for an hour and 10 minutes on their record. And uh, many bands go back to this topic, but uh, with the Rammstein Gothic metal approach, I mean, this song, uh, the song hallelujah on their B sides album was also covering some of the same stuff. That topic with the sound of a band like this, you could just feel the gargoyles looking down at you uh, at the church. It's just, it, it, it goes so well. Uh, the topic with, with the kind of delivery a band like this can bring. Um, it's, it's, it's great. Um, the, the beat, the beat on this track is just so, so consistent. Um, Christopher is just a machine. Uh, the the way that the the groove kind of like he locks into it and he takes a step back and then pummels again with the with those those choruses. Uh, like it's just you know the drums and the keys do a lot of the heavy listing on the verses and then the guitars come back in and don't just suffocate everybody. And it's because they can do that because uh, Chris Christopher and. Uh, Flake, they they're able to be so consistent as a rhythm section should be, and I think the Flake is part of the rhythm section for a lot of these songs. That the guitars can come and go without missing a step, and they're able to come back in and not suffocate everything uh, with the uh, the level of separation that all the instruments have. It's just, this is another track where the, the, the dynamics of Rammstein are in full effect. Uh, but it, it is, it is just, a, it's a metal song. It's a high tempo. I mean, God, it could be uh, on the full throttle uh, LucasArts game soundtrack, for God's sakes. Um, the, the bass solo that, that Oliver has really does stand out. And then they layer that core choir over it to end the track. And there's just like these droning ghost screams with the guitars coming back in for the song to close. For a song where the lyrics say like you know no god shows himself and the sky turns red the way this track ends with these screaming howling ghosts choir 
over the guitars is perfect. It's very, uh, very powerful. I the big, big fan of this track and it's a grower. It was not one of my favorites when I first listened to this record. I was kind of like, huh, that was pretty good. Kind of by the numbers. And as I listened to it more, I realized it was not by the numbers at all. Uh, it's just uh, when you take when you take religious hypocrisy, um, a song that definitely fits in the Rammstein mold of just driving hard guitars. At first blush, you might say, OK, been there, done that. But you really haven't been there or done that in the way they do it on this song. Hi, Marks. Let's now travel to track four for something completely different. Auslander. Because of Popolite itself's Ich bin ein Auslander, uh, great track. Uh, but yeah, I'm an outsider. I'm a foreigner. That's uh, that's what that means. But Steve, I would counter what you said in the sense that yes, this is a light, poppy uh, track, the most poppy on the album, and is spoiler alert, it's one of my favorites. It's very, very good. Uh, but. This fits in line in the last three tracks. So, so, so far we have like the first half of this, this record stacked and weighted by history. And this song is, is, is no exception, but what they're doing in this track, this, this particular track is they're having a lot of, they're having a lot of cheeky fun with, uh, uh, globalization and with manifest destiny and, um, with especially like the, uh, 
you know, UK, but not just the UK, but like just uh, or, or Germany or, or whatever, but but uh, colonizing these islands. Um, but what they're what they're doing in the song is they're there. It's almost like David Bowie's Thin White Duke. Remember that whole concept was he was bouncing around from little village to little village and he was. <laughs> raping and pillaging basically he was taking everybody's wives and whatever and he was a cold heartless asshole uh but there was a little romance behind it and that's what this song is is kind of about too where uh the chorus is very much a seduction of this little village that they're coming into um as they take it over uh and it's it is critical of it um I am I am a, not a man for one night. I will not stay for more than one, two hours. Before the sun laughs again, I have already disappeared and continue making my rounds. Um, so basically the allegory for conquering these small villages is this like Lothario that's bouncing around, this idiot Lothario. Uh, <clears throat> but it's a blast. The song is an absolute blast. Once again, this is another one where Flocky is doing a modern house beat without the drums. Um, but all the rest of the music works and, 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 and then the band's playing around it. Um, it's catchy as hell. I love the, uh, kind of cartoon vocals during the almost like uh, children singing during the, the choruses. And then, um, of course we'll get to it, but the video completely bolsters the whole song as well. Um, glorious track. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> And the song is incredibly catchy. It's probably one of their catchiest songs. I think it definitely could have been a radio hit if they wanted it to. Uh, it, it starts with the just the Flocke doing his yeah, like the, the house music thing. But then when that just single bass drum kicks in, like that beat is incredible. It's it's again we're at some kind of future dance party. But when when the drums kick in on this track. Like, I can imagine this being, you know, this is all of a sudden we're in the second Matrix movie at that rave at the end of the, uh, you know, mankind's uh, battle with the robots. <laughs> and uh, Morpheus is telling everyone it's, you know, we are Zion. It's absolute. Welcome so to catchy. Zion. Um, and, and it's, you know, that the sound of the song is is fun. Uh, yeah, the, the lyrics, uh, I mean, they. He's singing uh, Till Lindemann. Obviously, we've discussed a man loves sex. Uh, by the way, stay tuned on this album uh, to have that discussed again. But um, h- him singing in all these different languages about just you know, he's a foreigner, mon chéri, take a chance on him. It is kind of humorous. Um, his delivery is very you know, ro- romanticizing. Um, there's a couple parts in the track where he actually kind of laughs uh, audibly in the recording. Uh, it's just it, it just sounds like a good old time. This song, everybody can have a good time with this song. But then, yeah, if you're if you're going, if you're gonna look at it a little bit deeper, it's about spreading the seed. It's about colonialism. Um, if the video, <laughs> and then the video just tells it like it is, like hey, if you're not really getting what we're saying here. Um, the the band Romstein is going to arrive on the shores of a uh, you know a, a a tribe of a tribe in a in, in probably somewhere near Africa, and they're going to be also they're they're on a little boat called the uh, MS Romstein by the way, and 
It's going to be in the early 1900s, I, I think. And the band is going to be dressed like Dr. Livingston, I presume, type idiots. <laughs> and they're going to they're going to uh, try to, you know, teach this tribe uh, their language and uh, try to show them the arts. And then they're going to dance with them and then they're going to have sex with them. And then they're going to leave and there's going to be, you know. Well, don't forget oh, about yes. religion. There's that great verse where Till is dressed as the preacher yeah. as he's teaching the kids. Yeah, you're going to teach them religion. religion. Yeah. And while they do this in the video, it's all in the kind of this bumbling goofball way. By the it's uh there's some some funny shots of 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 like Till trying to, you know, he's painting a woman and then when she looks at it, it's like a cartoon lady with just giant knockers. It's just it's ridiculous. Um <laughs> uh, I, I should call out my uh, my wife uh, Heather, who's way more cultured than I could dream to be. I showed her this video and, and she liked it, but she referenced that like, oh, this is they're referencing the the novel Heart of Darkness from 1899, written by uh, Joseph Conrad, and yeah, it's it's a very similar story about uh, colonizers and 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 one of the members gets left behind to marry all the women of the tribe, which is basically Flocke. <laughs> Look, if it's one thing we all know, Romstein be fucking all right. Doesn't matter where they go. They're going to leave behind some progeny. Um, but yeah, this uh, song is, is great. Um, I Auslander, uh, little pop will eat itself. Ich bin ein Auslander our uh, outlander slash foreigner and that synth line i you know you're right uh, flake is the mvp on this record he's creating some earworms out of that little keyboard uh more so i feel consistently on this record than any of the other records that have come before it and uh just with german efficiency it just comes stomping into the room you know after that intro uh talks about that touring kind of traveling lifestyle where you're a foreigner in a foreign land maybe trying to get some strange little zz top uh so you know it is what it is you know this band uh you know they they like to you know dip their their quill in some ink you know just it's what happens and yeah, I think this is like a flip side to Mineland. Yeah, I feel like this is the other side of that coin. Uh, Mineland is a great song. Uh, obviously, more of a nativist kind of feeling to it with a little bit of Deutschland thrown in there. But this one is, hey, I'm an outlander. Uh, outlander. Good Lord. Female porn right there. I'm an uh foreigner in a foreign land. And, you know, no matter where I can go, I can still lay on that German charm. It's this one has some danceable beats. I mean, that's the great thing about Rammstein. They may be pummeling you over the head with a sledgehammer, but at the other time, they're also swinging their hips while they're doing it. It's just it's a it's a skill that this band seems to employ very well. Great song. Schlecht, 
überall das dralle Fleisch. Ich schau dir tief in das Geschlecht und die Knie werden weich. Tausend Nadeln, das Verlangen, will Geruch mit Händen fangen. Weiß das Hirn kriecht in die Venen und es singen die Sirenen. Eine Faust in meinem Bauch, komm her, du willst es doch auch. sex let's talk um, about sex baby let's talk about sex baby you and me um so i can't really quite put my finger what this song's about <laughs> uh i mean let's be it, it, no romstein never has any time for subtlety they just go right to the direct approach uh this is a little bit if you can think about it it's uh seems to be a more mature version of uh the song pussy uh, I have a, you have a pussy, I have a dick. So what's the problem? Let's do it quick. I mean, I've said it to Jen, but it doesn't seem to have the same, like, effect that Till does. <laughs> Roll your R's. Oh, that's how, that's Roll a trick. Your R's, I, now I know what's going on in that household. Gotta roll those R's. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I like the song, but who doesn't like sex? I mean, the song oh, and the and the act. It's uh, it's 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 pizza for everybody. The song is great. It it doesn't <laughs> try to hide itself at all. Uh, that chunking guitar riff along with that synth line, it sounds like a DJ scratching. It's it's all put together very well. I actually prefer this song over Pussy. To be honest with you. I, I agree with you. This is this song has some more. And when sex I say pussy, I mean the actual thing. No. <laughs> oh, we can cut that. We can cut that. We can cut that. <laughs> <laughs> You're that I, kind of that, uh, audio I, uh, I recently started wearing glasses, like I've told you guys a billion times. So now during these nights like this, up. I can they're then, fogging up. I can, uh, yeah, I gotta take them off, adjust them a little bit. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> So I my steampunk ass has little wipers on my glasses. I just pump a little pump on my side when that happens. And it just, oh man, it's great! You can't. Sorry, ladies, you can't. he's taken. You can't. <laughs> Eric, Eric can't afford those on his salary. Come on. No. Weren't you? No, didn't you? True. Didn't they it's make true. you go to kindergarten a couple weeks ago? You had to teach kindergartners again. I did the uh, staffing crisis in public schools. I they forced me and other administrators to. Substitute in kindergarten. Granted, he was also working undercover to try to uh, find a, uh, you know, a killer on the loose. He was trying. He was trying. Yeah, to that's find, when I was at the, the middle school and I talked about euphoria. He was trying them, to find you know, the yeah. uh, the 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 dad of from a recently divorced woman that lived in town. Uh, Taylor's Richard all this time. <laughs> You're looking for Richard Kimball. <laughs> I like the idea of Eric teaching kindergartners. I think he could do a good job. Oh, I think he that's like his uh, final form right there. I'd rather picture Eric teaching kids than I would him having sex, period. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think my boss thinks I, the same thing. I so hope that's, so. That's good. Uh, 
<laughs> but the the song, I mean, this song is a big, boisterous, ridiculous track. But at the same time, I mean, the, the chorus in English is sex, come to me. Mine is yours and that's inside of you. Sex, come with me. Because it's better is wanton than not at all again. We only live once. We love life. That's that's what the song's all about. It's uh, reaffirming. I mean, Eric, you, what do you what do you think about the big just swinging track that's sex? Yeah, I well lyrically, I would say you left off a piece. The verses, he gets into the nitty gritty. I look at you and I feel sick. Skin falls onto the skin. I look deeper into your sex, body and breasts, well-formed. Very, like, uh, chunky German lyrics there. Um, He's talking about, you know, that sex is beautiful and gross at the same time, but it's necessary for life. And yes, you're right. It is life affirming. It's 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 required for life. It's a celebration of it, and also a acknowledgement of it being a a uh, gross biological act. Um, weird, weird pers- perspective on this song that he's Till's taking. But uh, it's a the song itself is a hot nasty thing. It's got a jangly blues guitar riff that uh, honestly, this could I could see. You know, this fitting into a Grinderman uh, uh, track list just fine. It's funny you say that. You say Grinderman, and that works. I, for some reason, like uh, this this level of uh, Western Americana electronic tinged rock takes me back to early '90s Depeche Mode. I see what you're saying there, and actually, I was going to throw a bone to. Uh, to Queens. Some of the riffs in this remind me of Queens of the Stone Age. Um, but it is, it is a uh, very, uh, uh, Americana as far as this album goes. Um, you know, it's a little pretty straight, straight ahead. There's not a lot for Flocke to do on this song. Um, hmm. except doesn't he, I mean, what is that solo at the end? There is a, it's definitely a, he has a keyboard solo on this. Yeah, track. no, he gets a fun little high pitched thing towards the end of the song for sure. Yeah, I mean he's got yeah, he's yeah. got this yeah, keyboard no, solo they, at they the end of it. They definitely throw him a bone at the end, one hundred percent. But it's not about him. Yeah. This song, like I said, is 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 as bad as meat and meat and potatoes as Rammstein gets. But it's fun and 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 it's catchy, and I like how off putting the lyrics are. <laughs> I really do like how it's yes, it's celebrating sex, but also acknowledging. Uh, it's a it is a biological science. <laughs> it's so weird. I, I enjoy it. You get to, they can't make this song on their second album. You only get to make this song after 25 years of proving you can, you know, you've you've got a lot of uh, bullets in your your arsenal, I guess. <laughs> like they've shown they can they can be funny. They can be serious. They can be hard. They can be soft. They've shown they have a sense of humor. And and this track, I mean, this is just your there's. You're stomping around like, you know, chasing ladies, nonsense caveman stuff. And they're admitting it's nonsense caveman stuff, but it's got a big just swinging heft to it. And it, and I think it, it, they even show that with the production of it. The drums on this one have like a like a real big thwomp to them. And I, I just think that the heft of the drum, the drum production on this song is kind of like the whole point of this track, which is just 
goofy stomping around nonsense caveman wants to get laid stuff. And yeah, it's gross. There's uh, there's fluids flying everywhere. Uh, the, the men singing singing about sex are probably not uh, very handsome. And it, it's got a hell of a, a keyboard solo that just kind of goes in every direction at once. It all fits together. It does. Just like two people doing it. Exactly. Yep. There you go. And uh, <laughs> now, now again for something completely different um, from from the, the the island hopping exploits of Oslander to the the sweaty stickiness of sex to what might be one of their most disturbing songs, Poope. This song, this song is sinister. Um, it starts off creepy and it ends creepy. And in between, things get really out of hand. Pup, puppe, which is German for doll. Um, yeah, this song has a cool vibe to it uh, for, for a middle of the album track. Uh, honestly, it's, it's almost got like a little... Uh, it starts at least um, on this almost trip hop vibe where it's just sci-fi sense atmosphere, uh, slow kind of head nodding beat as we get into the, 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 the track, the lyrics, um, what you've got here is a song about it's a, it's a storytelling track and, and the vibe uh, almost sounds like a, a track that could have been found on he who must not be names uh, Antichrist superstar. I, I do feel like like it's got some like similar aesthetics to to that album where it's about I can see, a, I can see it. Yeah, it's a child uh, playing with her doll while her sister. Uh, is a prostitute and, and she can hear her um, you know boning in the next room um, and then the uh, John kills the sister the little girl sees it um, and uh, she kills the attacker as she as she killed her dolls hearing that happen over time so um, it's a very dramatic almost operatic uh, gutter opera uh of the story. Um, but I do like this song as a performance art piece. 
till uh the music's cool i mean like i said it, it goes into some weird trip hop realms it's the music is very interesting but till does this performance art thing as he's screaming puppe towards the end that is is really admirable um you know it could be it could be an off-broadway show it's 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 pretty great um so i think the song is pretty cool um, I think the story is interesting and I think the vibe is unique for this record, but f- somehow fits. So <laughs> the chorus is a great sell job by Till, though, like really being able to sing in this manic kind of level that we don't really see him doing in a theatrical sort of point of view. I mean, they're very theatrical in their videos. There's no question. But hearing him do that really lends itself to this particular character that he's singing about. It's interesting stuff. And musically, everything lends itself to a very theatrical situation. It's uh, it's a very big song um, with a lot of big swings, and I think they effectively land it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely, it's not your typical track. Uh, it starts out, like, like Eric, Eric said, very sinister sounding. And at the same time, it sounds kind of pretty. It's scary, but pretty. It's quiet, but haunting. Um, there's these like really softly strummed guitars and this uh, strange like echo effect that Flocke is doing. Um, and just like a like you said, Eric, like trip hop, like a slow drum beat. Uh, just almost almost like a, a electronic sounding drum beat. It's very slow, very um, lurching like this track would the beginning of the song does sound like you might be walking down a hallway and you don't know what the hell's going on down there. Yeah. And um, the, uh, the drum beat though, it's live drums. There is an eight Oh eight electronic bass drum hit every time the live drummer hits his bass, which kind of gives it that trip hop feel too, in my opinion. Definitely. And, uh, yeah, the, the way, I mean, the way that some of the, I don't know the translation completely here, but I mean, some of the, there's some sections where he sings extremely beautifully during the bridges. And it's, I mean, he's saying dark clouds in the sky. I dutifully take my medicine and wait here in, in the bed until the sun goes down. Then they come and go. And sometimes there are two the late birds sing. And then my sister screams. And uh, I mean, that goes into this section where he, he, the, the music completely stops and he starts singing about tearing the head off the doll and he sounds like a just a rabid person and then he 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 goes through it once singing about tearing the, the doll's head off and then he just sings through it again with all the music kicking in and the like Rammstein heavy ass riffs and and there's this like crazy part where they they all sing like dem 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 dem, and it's just this this insanity. Uh, just uh, the the way the way the, the way all this stuff comes together, it, it's almost like uh, somebody's just staring in the face of the ancient ones in an H.P. Lovecraft book, and they can't handle what they're seeing or what they're hearing, and everything kind of breaks down. And I think it's fitting because one of the last lines of this song is, uh, you know, I'm not feeling very well. Then then he says, ah, I'm doing okay. It's uh. After his sister is beaten to death, it's heavy, heavy stuff, heavy, crazy shit. And 
the fact that it's probably the most unorthodox song on the record is fitting for subject matter that is this sad, strange. The next track is called Was Ex Libe. Loosely translated, What I Love. Price. Don't you agree? I do. Vasiklibe. Vasiklibe. What I love. Oh, you, you pronounce it. So you you remember that from your uh, two years of German in high school. Well, the W's do have like a V sound to them. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I would say that, uh, you know, this, I mean, dare I say this song kind of has a David, David Bowie feel to it. Um, the song's essence about is what you love today. Um, you better cherish because everything will end or die. Uh, it's very, very German, very German sense of feeling. And I, I do relate to that. Um, it's also just, you know, um, appreciate what you have today because, you know, tomorrow it, it may not exist. And it's uh, it's a pretty good sentiment. Live for today, not for tomorrow. I love that. Um, the question is, should you avoid that future heartbreak and pain by not, by not loving the thing that you ultimately love? I mean, that's the thing, like with either getting a pet, I mean, God forbid we all here outlive our children, but horribly, there are some people that don't have that luxury that unfortunately their children are taken from them far, far, far too soon. I couldn't imagine the the pain and the suffering that you carry with you for the rest of your life for bringing something into this world helping bring some, something into this world and having them leave this world before you is uh that's that's horrible i don't wish that on anyone but th- this the song kind of asks that question is it worth the pain and heartbreak uh to love something so so deeply uh, to ultimately, you know, have it all end one day. 
It's got some soaring atmospheric synths again. Uh, but uh, yeah, this this song is good. I mean, it this this whole album is so consistent that I haven't found a clunker yet. And this song does not disappoint. It's interesting. Uh, you're you definitely the every for everything beautiful there is a price. You know, happiness and joy brings torment. Uh, lyrics. I can see where you're going there. Um, and I I didn't even think it through to the point of uh, you know outliving children or some such. But that is true. Uh, it's not just romance when you're thinking about uh, the the danger of latching on to things. I mean, even, uh, you know, Till has a, Till has a grandkid. He's got a daughter that's old enough to have kids. He's actually, like I said before, he's my dad's age. And, um, I mean, even just the, just having children, not, not the fact that they, you know, let's perish the thought. We don't have to go down that road, but we do have to talk about the fact that, uh, you know, there's a pretty good chance that just having children, your kids are going to be assholes. And, well, that breaks my heart. <laughs> that I'm gonna have to, yeah, really. <laughs> you know, we need to talk about Kevin. We need to talk about Kevin. I mean, it's uh, it, it is one of those things that that does occur for some households, and it's uh, horrible. Yeah, horrible. I mean, you know, your kid comes home and wants to talk about Brandon. I mean, it's uh... <laughs> <laughs> saying let's go. You know, like I don't want to hear about that. <laughs> no, but I, I mean, this is like that. Like you said, Mark, it's another. It's a pretty consistent record, and I, I love the fact that no two songs are really alike so far, and uh, this that might continue. Um, I do think they did a good job of making the middle section, the middle of the, the midsection of the album does slow down a bit, but not to boredom. It's just that it, they're, they're different paces, some mid-range, mid-paced songs. Uh, some even could almost be a ballad. Uh, this one, though, I mean... Um, the the, the there's like this as the subject matter is what it is but this one it's got these like majestic rising just the choruses like the the upward heft of the way he delivers the chorus and there's some drum rolls going into the chorus and the keyboards um but then I'll bring it down with this crunchy riff and they've done that a few times on this this record where the guitars take a back seat for a few few measures and uh, the drums and the keyboards get to do something. Then they bring it all back together with the guitars and they do it perfectly. They do it great on the chorus of this track and um, they'll do it again on uh, one of the songs towards the closing. Uh, I, I like the delivery of the verses on this track. Till's got th- some songs where he goes to kind of a Tom Waitsian register with his delivery. Uh, kind of like, you know, Till's wild years, if you will. And uh, the verses on this one, I think that's the pace he has with uh, his vocals. And yeah, this is this is one of the better mid-paced songs of theirs in general. And if you didn't read the translation of the lyrics, you might think it's about like the end of summer or something romantic. But it's more about the the pain of love. Can't add a lot to what you guys said. Um, I think you guys encompassed it pretty well, uh, especially like the existential philosophy of the lyrics on here. Um, I'm one of the annoying people that uh, got took an existential philosophy class in college at Sacramento State and got really annoying about it for a little while. Wanted to talk about it and like, you know, 
you know, uh, if something's, you know, uh, exactly, exactly what the song is about. Like, you know, do you, do you risk yourself loving something when the possibility of it going bad and, and rotten is so high? And, and, uh, so I appreciate that. Um, uh, and then the only thing I, I will add is that I musically, I like that it's more subdued. This, like you said, Steve, the middle of the album gives a little room to breathe for the listener, um, but it's still soaring and catchy. Um, it's a little bit less memorable music, musically compared to the rest of the album, but uh, not bad. Um, and the drum beat, I think you could do a mashup with Closer. Um, and you said David Bowie, Mark. Uh, so that tells me that it's nightclubbing because that's close. That's the closer drum beat is the nightclubbing Bowie Iggy pop song. I actually think that would line up perfectly with the drum beat on this song. It's actually exactly the same tempo and almost the exact same, uh, uh, beat. It's uh, pretty perfect. So what follows what I love. And I think, I think the sequencing here is genius. I don't know if this was on purpose. Of course it was on purpose. They didn't just throw these, these things together on a CDR and hope that they filled up 74 minutes. Uh, Dia, Dia Mat, uh, is the next track, which I believe means diamond. Ich will nur dich, immer nur dich ansehen. Lässt die Welt um mich verblassen. Kann den Blick nicht von dir lassen. Und dieses Funkeln, deine Augen, will die Seele aus mir saugen. Du bist schön wie ein Diamant. Schön an you are beautiful like a diamond. Beautiful to look at like a diamond. But please let me go. What a power. What a shine. Beautiful like a diamond. Yet just a stone. I mean, come on. That's poetry, Mal. And this track is so, so quiet. So almost like folksy. Probably one of the quieter, more subdued songs in their entire catalog. Um, it's mainly just some acoustic guitar, bass, and, uh, you know, there's a couple of little flourishes on it. I mean, this... This song sounds to me like it could be playing in the background of the TV show, The Witcher. And that's just fine with me. Um, I think it's a it's it, it's definitely something so quiet and peaceful. But at the same time, when you start reading the words, you're like, well, this isn't very happy. This isn't very romantic, really. And it's it's so subdued that if this went on for like five minutes, you'd be like, Oh my God, you're checking your watch. I think the, the song is just about two and a half minutes long. Perfect length for a song that sounds this peaceful on this record. It's a nice little Island in the middle of all the other chaos, but at the same time, it's not like there's anything, you know, pretty or nice about it. It just sounds more relaxing than the rest of the record. It's a little, a little pleasant palate cleanser before the intensity picks up on the, uh, for the last few songs. Uh, Diamant is uh, at first when I first have listened to this record a couple times, I, this was one of the ones that uh, didn't really stick out for me as one of the ones that are a keeper. With that said, after repeated 
listenings, it absolutely grew on me. I, I do like Rammstein, the gentle Rammstein, the, the ballad Rammstein, the let's take it down a notch. Uh, you find one of these songs pretty much on every one of their records, like I had indicated in their history discography episode that we had talked about. So this is this album's particular uh, you know, lighters in the air. But it, um, it's the it's song. the gentlest of their gentle songs. I I think very. Yeah, I I would agree with that. And it's very short. It's 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 like what? Not even three minutes long. Um, but Till does a great job of selling it. There's no question. Um, I do like f- the f- the the f- the overall message. You know. Um, instead of the, I have a pussy, you have a, I have a dick, you know, that sort of thing. He is espousing that you're so beautiful, like a diamond, you know, it, it is a, a love song. Essentially. I, I do like the fact that they do have the ability to, uh, go into two different gears without it being so jarringly, uh, inappropriate, I guess for this band, you know, it, it's just so funny. He can be on stage writing a, a dick cannon, but at the same time, then having a song like this where, you know, you're in the bubble bath with the candles lit. It's uh, it's, it's wild. It's good stuff. Um, it manages to come off as both sweet and haunting in, in the sense of what it musically sounds like. And uh, I appreciate for, you know, them not being, I guess, going so far away from that Rammstein's like, you know, spooky sound that David Lynch was talking about, um, that they're able to exist in both worlds, if you will. And this song is about unreciprocated love. It is a it is a heartbreaking song where you're you're right, Mark. It's romantic. He's loving somebody from a distance, but that's all it would ever be is looking at a diamond because the, the it's not reciprocated. It's unreciprocated love. It's heartbreaking, sad. We've all been there. Um, and uh, I don't have a lot to add, except I do like in my head while they're playing this, I imagine Till sitting on a stool and then on a stage singing. And then one at a time, Flocke shows up and plays that little flute part on his keyboard and then you know, each crispy and comes up on an acoustic guitar and one at a time, each member kind of shows up on stage as the song unfolds. And then in my head, it's just like Christopher Plummer singing, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, Idlevice on, uh, in sound of music, uh, on the stage there where it's, you know, it's just beautiful and, uh, powerful. The song is great. It's a great little moment, uh, in the last, two-thirds of the album. Well, they do, they do like to do that thing where in the towards the end of shows, they go do a stripped-down uh, section of their uh, catalog, and uh, they sit in either at the front of the stage together or on a platform in the middle of the audience. And I'm sure that they've been rolling this one out whenever they get to play live. The next track is Wheatweg. Wheat Weg, which means far away. Steht er da am Fensterrand mit einer Sonne in der Hand ganz nah. So weit weg von hier. 
it's it's got some stuff I really like in musically. It's got some atmospheric stuff. Um, guitars, the band's chugging along. It's uh, they're we're kind of building back up the momentum of the album. Um, the song itself is about essentially a, a peeping tom, um, uh, a sex worker, uh, basically like um, you know somebody that's either on like your OnlyFans or uh, even more scary like Craigslist or something like that, where they have some sort of peep show deal and then things go dark and there's, and then there's violence and there's, and there's threats and it's, it's kind of a trashy song in that, in that regard. Um, but uh, at the same time, it's, it's sympathetic too uh, to the protagonist. Um, musically, it's pretty, in my opinion, it's pretty forgettable for this album. Um, and that's the only song I think I'll, I have notes that says forgettable on here. Um, but it does build to something huge. Uh, the, 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 the song gets big by the end. And like I said, if you're listening to this song, like as part of this album, it's important because it builds the momentum back for a huge finish. Um, but, uh, as itself, I think the song is, not really hitting the radar for me. Interesting how I, I appreciate your opinion. It's interesting how it's not entirely correct. Mark, how do you feel about Wheat Wig? I like it. The weirdness tone of that synth intro is amazing. Uh, everything, uh, you know, about this song is, I think, pitch perfect and encapsulates the longing from two people. Uh, Till does a great job of imagery and setting the scene as long as you can either understand the language or read the translation after the fact. Um, you know, ultimately, I think he's a pretty literal lyricist, but he's also a pretty great writer. Um, I mean, of course, yeah, this is the guy that's saying I hate to fucking just bang on this song but you have a pussy you have a dick you know that sort of thing he can write but though he's yeah he's with been, moonlight he's drops poet. them all the covers the sight is very important to him tensions his imagination the breath stops the heart beats wildly paints his colors in her picture he is standing there at the edge of the window with the sun in his hand that's poetry i mean that's fucking great uh, of course, I'm not doing the German version of that, but like just that translation, I feel it. I, 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 I can see it. He, he paints that picture pretty fucking well. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I honestly, I like the narration. I like the, the imagery that he's presenting. I think that, uh, the song is, uh, pretty well done. Um, I don't know. Steve, split the difference. Well, uh, the first uh, back. Yes, you keep bringing pussy up and I uh, well, rightly so. Um, but I mean, obviously, I mean, that song's uh, uh, taking a piss, obvious comedic nonsense. And uh, it is. Yeah. He's not being like serious in that song. I'll remind you again, sir, yeah. that uh, Mr. Lindemann has uh, two published books of poetry. <clears throat> Wheatweg. Yeah, interesting. You find it forgettable, Eric. That's that's fine. That's your opinion, man. That's everybody has opinions, and that's what this podcast is all about. But I, I don't find this song forgettable at all. Uh, first time I listened to this record, I thought it was one of the standout tracks to me. Um, kind of an upper tier track. I mean, it opens up with just this 
awesome, fully just synth bath. Just, just on you, just the synth work on it. I really dig the the drums have a really again that full sound to the the mic on the drums on this this track. Uh, like this track is a simple drum beat, but the way that they mic them has this like echo effect of it being maybe recorded in a cavern. Um, each drum hit has like a slight echo, and I find that you know the synth, the way they mic the drums. Uh, just makes the song pretty dynamic. It's heavy, but it isn't hard, which is like Romstein's really good at doing that. They're going to do it again on the next track. Next track's heavier, but I mean, it's like Velvet Hammer approach where the songs have weight to them, but they're not beating the hell out of you, but they feel like they, like they've got their, they're going to fill a room up. It's hard to lift this song. It's, it's, it's not beating me over the face, but my God, it's still heavy. Where these like a orchestral keys kick in, and they and the, the the keys and the bass line lock into the same groove. And uh, once you listen for it, it's pretty, it's nicely done. Um, again, I think it's another track too. We've talked about how Flocke is kind of the MVP on this record. And he has a, like a big presence on it. And the, the synth, the, the analog sounding synths he chose for this track work really well. They're very wormy. They, uh, they go well with the chorus. Um, the way Till delivers the uh, verses in this track there's this thing he does live sometimes and now that I've mentioned it you'll look for it Unless if you don't know what I'm talking about you'll see it next time you watch them live where he kind of brings his hands up on some tracks and he sings he kind of closes his eyes and kind of shakes and almost like stumbles over like he's reaching for words that he can't quite uh, you know that sometimes I feel like that in the podcast. He's reaching for words that he can't quite articulate. Um, look for that when they play live. Sometimes it's kind of a, it's another thing he does where he reminds you that they're all good actors and they're theatrical. And on this track during the verses, the way he enunciate, I could just picture a guy with his eyes closed, his hands out, trying to just find a word that's not there. And that quality is not forgettable to me. That's painting a picture for me. Uh, much like the lyrics, like you're talking about, Mark, you know, uh, <laughs> are talking about a some kind of peeping Tom painting that picture. Uh, everything about it fits together pretty well. And if I wasn't already sold on it, there is a guitar solo in it. And I would love for more guitar solos from Romstein, but that's fine. They don't do them all the time. They uh, they're a very democratic band. But this track does have a guitar solo in it that comes right in after a uh, a little like a, the whole song falls silent for a moment. And there's this little squeeching keyboard and then there's a guitar solo and the guitar solo is pure Rammstein. But it also back to Depeche Mode reminds me of Ultra era Depeche Mode. is a great sound Martin Gore be proud of the guitar solo on this track I'm a I'm, I'm a big fan of it when one could say it's left it's left such an impression on me it almost tattooed me 
which is funny because the next track is called Tattoo. song could be found on Herzlide. Um I can picture Till doing the uh, Till Hammer during the live performance of this one, you know, getting in that crouch with the banging on the knees or the thighs, his uh, meaty thighs. Yeah, I wrote, another I, wrote, I wrote this as a Till Hammer track. Yep, underlined. Uh, Till Hammer track. Good. I'm glad we're all in uh, agreement. I'm sure Eric will agree too. I think it's another soaring synth line that perfectly gives the stomping rhythm a little bit more space. Um singing about getting a tattoo is what this appears to be about your significant other i think this song also has a great line i'll engrave myself with your name then you're forever here but when you break us up i'll search uh someone who's called the same uh it's the uh winona forever or the wino forever um johnny depp uh parable you love to see it folks <laughs> you love to see it um it's a, it's a good track uh, but like i said it it's very reminiscent of some of their their past work i, I think it's I de- it's definitely informed by their past work i think it's a little bit more fleshed out than anything back then but um yeah definitely the this the the framework of the herzlite era could be felt in this track and definitely again i think it's one that is this one is heavy and hard and driving, but still has a great ear for melody. Um, it, ha- it has a a quiet little just like bridge to a breakdown before the final chorus where Richard or Paul or maybe both of them. I, you know, I haven't listened closely enough to that section. Get to do some little like plucking guitar interplay before the final chorus comes in and just battering ramming stones you. It's it's pretty good. Uh, the song manages to get pretty darn hard, but also have some parts where they lift their, their feet off the gas pedal just a little bit. still definitely though despite that despite that little moment where it breathes it's a it's a till hammer track and uh i love the riff the riff during the chorus and i'm glad that before they go into the next song which is a very unique song for a closer uh they they do give you 
a good rocker. It is about getting a tattoo, but what he's the themes of the, of the song are about, you know, tattoos are there to capture pain. Yes, they're painful to get. And often they capture a painful moment of your life and encapsulate it on you forever. Um, and while they are talking about past loves, there also there also is, um, you know, allude. He also alludes to, uh, you know, the the tattoos they got in concentration camps. Um, so I, I like that. One thing I'll say as we wrap up this album is uh, thematically, uh, the this record is very top heavy, where it the first side is very heavy historically and what the songs are about and a little bit lighter on the back half. Um, and this is, would be an example of a track that, that kind of rekindles that, that heaviness, um, not just in the sound cause it is very thrashy and, 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 and medley, but, uh, also in, in, in what the lyrical content is about. And, uh, I like it quite a bit as a penultimate song. Penultimate to the final track known as Hollow Man. special type of closing song. I don't think enough artists are brave enough to do to, to close albums in the way this song does. Um, another band that closed an album with this same lingering sense of dread that I always think of is a little band called Nine Nails. Have you guys heard of those guys? Um, I'm familiar with them. Yeah. Uh, ripe with Decay. I always think of that when I think of a song that just lingers and haunts. I think of that song "Ripe with Decay" off the Fragile. Uh, Holomon's not nearly as uh, long as that song, and also this one has lyrics that one does not. But it gives me that same sense of strange, like lingering dread and ambiguity. It doesn't feel unfinished. That's a very hard feeling to nail. I think this track does it well. Yeah, I I agree with you. It's it's weird. <clears throat> uh, it's it, it, once again, like I said, the if you look at the what the songs are about, it's this album is very like history heavy in the first half, and this and the second half is very much like uh, some of it's very personal, some of it's very like. Let's write a story about a weird person like this song. It's about a, a child, a, like a, a abuser or a pedophile or somebody that lures a child into her into a car and then kills. Like it's a, about a child killer. It's shocking. Um, I don't think it has the historical weight uh, of the the first half of the album, which you know, for me, I love it when it starts strong and ends strong thematically, and I don't think that's happening here. But musically, it ends very strong. 
the, this song is is pretty epic. It's a power ballad. There is one of the best guitar solos on this record on this song. Um, I don't really know what he's trying to say except telling a story about a gross, like pedophile child killer. But um, it definitely feels like a finale. So to your point, Steve, it shouldn't work, but it does because it feels like closure on this song. And I think it's very, very effective. And then Flocke gets this screeching synth solo towards the end, which is just chef's kiss. Um, I do really like this ending. I, think- I mean, Eric, if you want to bring it back, if you want to bring it back thematically, that the that synth solo sounds like the Hindenburg crashing, which brings you back <laughs> yeah, to the, the video for Deutschland. There, there you <laughs> it's go. Incredible. There you go. Yeah, there you go. So um, I think it does turn the lights on in the strip club as far as the thematic imbalance of this record. But I think it still ends hefty and strong and well. I, I do like this song quite a bit. I, I do like this song quite a bit. Uh stands for kind man uh till singing about child abduction from a pedophile's point of view is uh, definitely a bold choice to end the record on um taking those dark things themes rather and bringing a weirdly catchy song about horrible themes is uh seems to be Rammstein's speciality um i i do appreciate the fact that it feels like it could be a closer, but it doesn't seem to sum up the album as a whole for me. Um, as the song ends, I expect it to go into the next track. It just doesn't have that closing type power feel to it. But I'm not saying that's a detractor to the song because it is a really strong song. That guitar worm is an earworm or the guitar riff, excuse me, is an earworm, not to mention that great breakdown. There's a great breakdown in this song. Great. Uh, it It just doesn't feel like a closer. That's my only thing for it to be the last track on this record. I feel like... But it's not supposed to. That's the whole point. That feeling of unease. It's trying to give you a feeling of unease, like Ripe with Decay. It's, it's by design. <laughs> I, I mean, even with Ripe with Decay... I, I feel like, okay, be, maybe it's because it was an instrumental. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like, okay, that's the end of that record. Even though it was a very unsettling song to end the fragile off of, I, I did feel like it was trying to be a summation of what you had just listened to. Um, I feel like this song, this album could have gone on forever. Uh, this doesn't feel like a closer, whereas the opener, Deutschland, absolutely feels like an opener it feels like you're you're going into this ride and i feel like the ride was cut short i feel like we could keep going um but i again not a detractor to the record as a whole sort of just feeling feeling like it doesn't have a final summation to it um but that aside the song is great that's interesting. It's just we all we're all we all appreciate the song for different reasons. I I think it ends. I, I think it works well as a closer because, well, Mark, I get your point. You know, book ending. It doesn't bookend like Deutschland does, but you can't. You're not going to have an uh, an ending as strong as Deutschland is an opener. Uh, that's almost impossible to write something that good twice. Um, but also, I think that this album takes unconventional turns. 
And I think it kind of comes in for almost like a weird, creepy, soft, murky landing. And just the, the lyrical content mixed with the that just feeling of an ease this song has. For me, it works. I just, uh, you know, when it ends, it ends kind of like on, a, I think Flocke plays a note that sounds almost like a classical instrument just kind of fading out. And it's almost kind of like I just I'm like, whoa, well, that's done now. Well, man, like I, it's, it, it kind of almost ends on a contemplative note, which I'm OK with. Um, either way, I, I think it's a very cool song. Um, I, li- I like the way it ends the album myself. Uh, it lingers and I think it's a it, it's for this collection of songs, a final track that lingers in the way this one does works for me. Uh, one thing we do all agree on those. Yes, there's that crazy freak out synth solo. I think the guitars are doing something during that thing is that 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 moment as well. wild and also i love this is structured around that bass line uh there's it, it opens with that doo 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 that bass line's great and it's a pretty think pretty bold move for a closing track to be centered around uh bass heavy track hollow man the good closer Closing the album known as Romstein, the self-titled record. And I didn't hear a lot of uh, griping tonight. It seemed like we all enjoyed it. How many flaming crossbows, Eric, do you give this uh, this album? I give this I give this 4.5 flaming crossbows. It is very close to a perfect album. I feel like the only the only detractor is that it feels so heavy in the first half and less thematically heavy in the second half. And I feel like they're, you know, I, 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 I'm an absolute simp for uh, for sequencing. And I, I would have loved to end as heavy as it started or close to it. So that's my only gripe, but it is 4.5 is about as good as it gets for my rating. That's it's a fucking fantastic album. Mark, how many flaming crossbows do you give this one? It's near perfect in my estimation. It's a 4.9. I mean, the only thing that I think would detract from it is just by the sheer fact that I don't have as much familiarity uh, for these songs as I do with some of the other um, classic Rammstein songs. And maybe that's more on me, uh, but I mean, this album has potential to be their best record in their catalog. I will say, just as I uh, mentioned on that last track, is that it doesn't feel like it has this feeling for me that it closes the loop of being a strong record as a complete uh, work of art. 
Um, but everything around this is just pretty amazing. I mean, it, it really is. It's a 4.9 with, I mean, you catch me on a day. I, I could, uh, easily call this a 5.0 record easily. Siri, what is the German word for feeling of ambiguity and why you won't give the record a five? Um, I mean, it's I, it, that's what it is. I mean, honestly, I feel like it's not my favorite Rammstein record, but it might be one of their best. I mean, it, it certainly is in the top no, that's just, third. This is fitting. This is like an existential abyss that you're staring into about Rammstein records. It's perfect. <laughs> I uh, I will give it the <laughs> surprise. I will give it five flaming crossbows. I I think this is about as perfect as one of their albums get. And as far as what I'm looking for from a record, it's about as perfect as an album in my collection goes. I mean, if I'm just going to, if I, I listen, it's been out for a few years now and I've probably listened to it over 200 times. I really think maybe I'm even selling myself short there. Um, just, uh, they really let the music breathe on this album. I feel like even by their standards, every track I can pick the instrumentation apart and focus on each part and also focus on the whole. And it's just really well balanced to me, uh, Eric. I, you didn't think it was that well balanced and, uh, well, that's good. I I'm glad you were able to articulate that. I do think it's really well balanced for them. And as we discussed in the history episodes, these are six guys who are all about, you know, musical democracy, finding the personal and creative balance. It's the most optimized, refined release, in my opinion, that they have. They're already a precise band, and this is their most well-balanced record, in my opinion. So they get a five. I'm glad that we were able to listen to it and discuss it. I'm glad that we probably have like literally 10 hours of Rammstein talk in the can. I feel like that nice listener of ours, uh, listener of ours that was like, Hey, you guys are going to do shorter episodes. That's great. And we said we were going to do that and uh, we're trying, but man, this is the, uh, the diamond dice is not letting it happen. That said, um, before we move on, before we roll that dice and we leave Deutschland, let's rank the albums. Let's just do the, uh, the, the main records. All right, Rosenrot's last place. Uh, Liebe ist für alle da is next. Uh, Herzlied right. is, <laughs> is next up. Uh, Senshut is next up. Mutter is next up. Almost was going to be first place, but got bumped down because this last record for self-titles, number two, and Rise Rise is number one with a bullet. Number one with a bullet. You're really sure about that Rise Rise. That's great. I am. I am. Like like we like we said, these are all for the most part. So I'm trying to pick your favorite kid, Mark. Seven, Rosenrot. Six, Sensukt. Five, Herzlide. Four, Untitled. Three, Riza Riza. Number two, Liba ist für Alada. And number one, Muter. Interesting. So your number two was Eric's number six. Yeah, it's wild. That's the level of consistency we're doing. The only thing we're going to agree on tonight is Rosenrod is last. And again, it's not a bad album. It's just it's a it's a 
it's it's a B-side B. album. It's a B-side. It, they admit it. They, this is the stuff did not make the cut on a uh, on a uh, Mooter. That's what it was. Well, what's funny about that is that Rise, 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 Yeah, you're right. Sorry. Yeah. Well, what's funny about that is their literal B-side album is pretty consistent. I actually think the B-side album might be better than Rosenrot, but Rosenrot's not bad. Um, so Rosenrot, yeah. Then Herzlide. Um, Herzlide's neck and neck with Senshut. I could flip flop yeah, those two. Same. And, yep. uh, you know, it's just they're both. It, it, if you were to uh, like level the production out in those records, they would sound like a double album to me. Um, and then my next, and this is this is where it gets crazy. My next one's Mutter, which at other times in my life was my favorite record. But as I become more familiar over the last decade and change with the rest of the discography, it got pushed back. Um, then these next two, I always I can I can flip flop these two. Uh, Libe es for Alada be number three. Rice Rice would be number two, but I can flip flop those two all day long. I the collection of songs on both of those are are very good. Um, Libe has some high highs like you you can't believe. Uh, and then number one is the new one, uh, Do- Rammstein self titled record, and. Uh, Reese Reese or Libe S for Alada was going to be my number one and one of those two. But then just I, like I said, I'm already was a big fan of this new album and listening to it for the show pushed it to the top. I just, I discovered things in it that I didn't realize were there before, even after listening to it many, many, many times uh, when you got to listen to something and then write down some damn notes to try to talk about it. You find you find new diamonds in the rough and a record that I already loved. Well, I, I decided to marry it. And here we are now. The, the new album is the number one. Truth be told, the song Deutschland alone, like warrants at least being in third place. Yes. If they just put Deutschland yes. out as the, as the new album. It would, it would still be, uh, you know, upper tier work. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, this concludes the Rammstein chapter of Pod Like a Hole. Auf Wiedersehen. <laughs> but before we Auslander our asses to the next island, where are we going next? All right, I'm going to roll it. That is a seven. Keeping shades the passionate one. Whatcha, whatcha, what you want is the eternal question that this band has posed to us, to the world at large. It is the Beastie Boys. Paul's Boutique. Paul's Boutique. We're going to be talking about them. Paul's Boutique. It is Eric's pick. So, Eric, 
you could yeah, say right you could say that you could say that this could be something completely different but actually early beastie boys shares a lot of lyrical similarities as uh some Rammstein songs <laughs> very true actually I mean, they, had giant, they had giant dildo they had giant dildos on stage too back then this is yeah they did they did and this is funny because i was going to ask like when we were talking about deutschland is there another song that has been so elevated by a music video and yeah, sabotage. I mean, let's be honest. Like that that song is is uh, you can't hear that song without thinking about mustaches and cop cars um, and donuts. Yeah. Easily, I would even argue, "Hey, ladies." Yeah, would yeah, be yeah, yeah, next yeah. To yeah. With those suits, well, the players' ball suits. I would say that that our next month is going to be something a little bit lighter, and uh, I can't wait. Can't wait. Yeah, until we start talking. Until we start talking about Tibet, then it. Uh, just uh, get your, <laughs> yeah, your, get your history my, books out yeah, here. And bells Cup of tea. And our bells, yeah. Meet, meet me down at the coffee shop to discuss discuss the new newsletter. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. What album is it? Is it Paul's Boutique? Paul's Boutique, we're doing? produced by the Dust Paul's Brothers. Boutique. Yeah, it'll be it'll be a fun one. And this brings us to the conclusion of our Rammstein mini season on Pod Like a Hole. Thank you for dedicating the time to us over this last, I don't know, eight or so hours of episodes discussing this band from Germany that the hosts of this podcast are very fond of. It's very important to take the time to share with others things in your life that bring you joy and hope that it brings them joy. I guess that's the whole point of this podcast. Sometimes we fail miserably, but in other cases, like I hope around this time, we pulled it off. Ironically enough, since this endeavor started, Rammstein has released a new single called Zeit, which means time in German. And the video seems to signal to the fan base that even for the mighty Rammstein, Time marches on. A good reminder that in this life, make the most of the time that you're given. And while we still have some time left here together, we'll continue to bring you closer to Bot.